Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. An arrest has been made in the case of a man who threw a Molotov cocktail into the headquarters of the Democratic Party in Austin. Apparently, the device didn't go off, but it's just another example of how insane things are getting. And maybe people would say, Tim, it's just one incident. It's not indicative of anything. But I, I do think it's another grain of sand and heat. You see stories like this. They travel far and wide. They, they, they perpetuate on the Internet. And it may be just one incident, but certainly people on the left will see it and say, see, look, the far right are extremists. The right will say, dude, that guy's crazy and nobody supports that. It must be a Fed or something like that. It doesn't matter. People will use it. It will drive sentiment. And that's what keeps happening because the Internet it's really riling people up. It's, it's, it's making everybody a bit hyper-partisan. I mean, it's, it's really driving the extremes. But outside of this, it's just another sign that I believe we are in some kind of downward trajectory. We have a personal finance expert who is predicting the biggest economic crash in history or something to that effect this month. So certainly these things are a bit alarming and, um, I don't know, maybe a bit pessimistic, but we do have other things to talk about because in that pessimism, there are interesting things. And joining us today is the writer and host of the new hit show from Timcast, Shane Cashman of Tales from the Inverted World. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You want to just briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. I'm Shane Cashman. I'm writing Tales from the Inverted World. been going down rabbit holes every week for you guys, talking about aliens and people getting abducted. And murders. Ghosts, murders. Um, We'll do some cryptids soon. Yeah, some of it's like legit investigative reporting, though, you know, like tracking down Confederate gold, you know, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. that pans out. I'll hit up people, and then I'll, next thing I know, I'm in some weird town talking to some people about their alien abduction. So the show is officially up on Spotify. I think it's it's slowly rolling out on all the podcast platforms. It takes time. It's on YouTube. The link to the channel is in the description below. And it's like a fully produced, I think we're, we're looking at like, what, 12 to 20 minutes per episode? The third episode might be 40. 40 minutes. Cause that's like a yeah. full true crime. It's a crazy true crime. 1970s yeah. Hell's Kitchen, New York City. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But one of the last, uh, latest things you've written is about the Rat Utopia experiment yeah. and breaking all that down. And so as we're talking about collapse, you know, before the show, we were talking about like Snapchat filters, Instagram, like weird performances and the way people dress the beautiful ones. Yep. Like these, 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 was, they were mice or rats in this particular one. They were so mice. So John B. Calhoun started with rats and uh, he built <clears throat> what he called these universes of rats and he wanted to populate them with, uh, he would put in like four males, four females. And they would just like every 55 days would just like grow exponentially. Um, at first though, they wouldn't use up all the space. They would like, but they would overcrowd in the way that they would find each other and just start like lumping together. But the beautiful ones specifically were like, they would just groom themselves and groom themselves. That would go on if once the population grew and the space was the only thing that they didn't have any, like they had no more space. Um, the beautiful ones would emerge. And there are these people or mad mice. That I kind of <laughs> feel like we're experiencing that. And that's just yeah. like when we're talking about political chaos, we're talking about, you know, economic collapse or this, this story about how Trump voters and Biden voters both want to secede. Yeah. And then you see these videos and these filters and it's like, are we really in this? So 
We'll, we'll, we'll get into all that, yeah. and we'll talk about the show. We've got a bunch of other crazy stories. A Lockheed Martin UFO has been spotted on camera. Five fireballs sitting through the sky. Ian was already going off about oh, magnetic fields. Well, I brought my fluorite <laughs> up, which is a type of crystal. If we want to get into the vibration, as your bones are made of hydroxy. I'm, I'm it. talking yeah. about UFOs, but all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the first I've heard that it was four male and four female rats, which makes me wonder if it has something to do with the inbreeding that drove them insane. Mm. That is I a theory. Have, but that's had, more than enough for genetic, genetic diversity. We had mice growing up, and, and one of the mothers had sex with one of the babies and then had a baby that was all deformed and had like a lung problem, and it died a couple right. mo- weeks after. So that gives me some hope that maybe we're not the rats in the cage because we're not inbred. Well, we'll, we'll, yes. we will, we will uh, sure sort will. through all this stuff. Hi, we got Lydia pressing all the buttons. I am excited to sort through all this stuff this evening. I'm really excited for this new show. It sounds amazing. You guys should go on over and check it out. Thank you. The new studio is done. Yes. It's uh but we have to clean it. Yep. Yeah. So we'll it's like it. we're 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 ready to set up everything. Okay, so I, I should say the, the construction is done. Now it's just a few hours of positioning the cameras and everything, which is not that hard to do, like a half day. But we have to wait until they steam clean everything because construction just ended. So it's like it's not completely done. But um maybe Monday, maybe. Depends on what happens. But it's probably going to be Tuesday or Wednesday in the new studio. The lighting is crazy awesome. It's going to look really, really great. If you've watched the vlog, you would have seen it. But uh, let's get into the news. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get exclusive access to segments from this show. We put them up Monday through Thursday. But also, now with the launch of Tales from the Inverted World, there's going to be a members-only podcast discussion about the episode exploring these issues. And we're going to be having guests as well. You know, many of the people you probably have already seen on this show we're really hoping Alex uh, Jones would want to come in and, and talk about conspiracies with Shane. You know, so uh, when Shane writes one of these stories, there'll be a follow-up kind of like talking about asking questions, exploring things in depth. That'll be available soon as well. And we're also launching another show called The Green Room, which is our green room hanging out with the guests before the show. So that's what you'll get as a member. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel. And don't forget, in the description below is the YouTube channel for Tales from the Inverted World. And you can check out episode one. It's 12 minutes and 31 seconds. It's awesome. There's sound effects. It's creepy. And this is a general introduction to the show and to Shane's work. And uh, we're still building everything out. As I always say, you just start. Now, this is a fully produced show with, 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 you know, research, writing, independent investigation, and sound effects, and original music made by Carter here in the house. So it takes a lot of work to get to that point, and then we put it up, and now the goal is, over time, we're going to start building it up. It's going to get better. The art is absolutely amazing. Jessica did, the, like, some of the best mm-hmm. art I've ever seen. I'm so excited for this. So in the description, you will see the link. Subscribe to that channel. And we'll, we'll get into some of these topics, but we're going to start with the real world. And in the real world, crazy stuff is happening. We have the story from CBS Austin. Arrest made an arson incident at Travis County Democratic Party office. They say a Molotov cocktail was thrown inside the office and ignited during the early morning of uh, early early morning hours. So earlier I was wrong. I thought it didn't, but it did. The arson suspect was recorded on security cameras and a note was left at the scene. The Austin Fire Department says their arson investigators, along with the FBI, made the arrest. Ryan Faircloth, 30, is charged with second-degree felony arson and third-degree felony possession of a prohibited weapon. He remains in custody at Travis County Jail under a combined $40,000 bond for both charges. Early Wednesday morning, outside, uh, an outside camera recording a man throwing a rock through the front door of the Democratic Party head, uh, office. He then came back with what appears to be an incendiary device, placed it inside the building, and then uh, the fire ignited. Damage to the building was minimized because people at the bar across the street spotted the first flames and put them out with a fire extinguisher. Last year, vandals hit the same building, spraying graffiti across the front. 
That's when security cameras were installed that may help police find who was responsible for the latest damage. We were talking about the other day, you know, related to this, what happens if Texas secedes or New Hampshire? And one of the things I was saying that, you know, I guess people hadn't considered is what do the Democrats in Austin do if the Republicans in Texas say we're out? Right. You can already see there's conflict between cultural factions. That's how New York is. I mean, most of New York voted red. A lot of New York did. And the city controls most of it. So it's like when you talk about secession, what does something like New York City do? You were there, right? You lived in yeah. the city? Yeah. I, I was driving a box truck. Mm. For, During the riots? Uh, not the riots, but like leading up to the uh, to the 2016 election. So I would see like um, all the signs for Hillary in one place and all the Trump signs in the rest of, you know, upstate New York. Not that that should be a gauge right. of how people are going to vote, yeah. but it was wild to see that yeah. all of upstate New York is one way. It's so weird. But I, maybe, maybe it's because people in the cities are scared. They're scared to say anything. Yeah. Country versus city. True. If you put up a Trump Man. sign in an area where there's 50 Hillary's signs. Hillary, I said Hillary, by the way. But I, That's I was, a real I saliva slip. popping my throat. Crystal. Yeah. Um, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah. But it's, I mean, maybe dangerous isn't the word, but maybe it is. And that's the problem with it. That's why we have secret voting. You know, that's why you, your yeah. voting is anonymous. Yeah. I wonder, so we, 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 we did talk about Texas. And for those that don't understand the, uh, know the context of the last episode, you know, we had, we had someone from the Free State Project in New Hampshire. New Ham- There's a lot of people in New Hampshire who want to secede or form their own, you know, nation state or whatever. And like, a lot, a lot of people say things, you know, if, if Texas can't, it won't happen. But there's also the conversation we've had where it's like, the federal government wouldn't do anything. So look at California. California says outright, we no longer will allow the feds to enforce immigration law. Actually hmm. stopping them. And that's a state saying the federal government has no authority here in this regard. Hmm. And the feds say, okay, that's it. The emperor's got no clothes. Yeah. The moment California was able to say this, the moment cities in California were allowed to le- were, were allowed to let non-citizens vote, the federal government lost legitimacy because they couldn't enforce their own laws within the country. That's going to set up a cascade effect. But the interesting thing is what happens in a state like Texas? If Texas secedes, the, the belief is the feds won't do anything. But what happens when the Democrats in Austin call for help? The feds then nationalize the National Guard in neighboring states and send them into Texas to protect, you know, the law and law and order. That being said, Mm. that's the context. Here's the next question. If that does happen and the government does nationalize or federalize the National Guard from New York, for instance, what will the majority of the New York state Republicans in all like northern part say to the city? You know, because the people who are in the National Guard in that place probably come from some rural areas, from the city, from all over. And a lot of them are going to be rural and now working at the behest of, I, I think we could just see, like, conflict, chaos. Politically, <clears throat> they don't have much power, the red, the red part of New York. And it's almost like New York City has already seceded from the rest of the state mm. because they've locked out. Not to say that everyone who's red has not been vaccinated, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in that city anymore. You can't right. do anything. I have a friend went to eight different bars in the past two days, turned away wow. at all of them. Went to her favorite cafe, okay. told, oh, we'll serve you if you sit out, outside, yep. out there. That's what they said when I called. So they've I, locked out everybody yeah. else. I, I don't know what, how much political wow, sway they have. Right. I don't even know if they care about the city. They act like it's not there. That's a good point. We didn't even talk about it. New York City has basically already said, yeah. these people are not welcome here. And yeah. that's a large portion. I think half of Republicans are not vaccinated. Yeah, That means like, Straight up, Trump supporters, the staunch supporters of Trump, are completely cut off from New York City mm-hmm. and Los Angeles and New Orleans and San Francisco. Yeah. All of these cities that are rolling this out. No zoos, this no is cafes, secession. no restaurants. Yeah, they've 
they've manufactured it in a way where it's not you don't have to say secession but the weird, they've kicked right. you out the weird part is like back in the day you'd have a city block would secede from another city block it'd be territory but now it's kind of ideology like mm. you, too many people live close together that have different ideologies so you can't you know, like you said, the big city in, in Texas is Democrat, but all the surrounding areas is Republican. So I, I think rather than a secession, which would be like shattering a crystal, crystal informed structure, you'd have to somehow alter the way they interact, which this these COVID restrictions seem to be doing. Yeah. And I should also say that there's a lot of people in New York City who are also either vaccinated and against the mandates or not vaccinated. Doesn't mean they're red or blue, but yeah. they're fighting. Like I know people who are working in sanitation who are fighting really hard to keep their jobs. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, this is interesting. We didn't even consider this when having these conversations about secession, that there could be people whose secret intention is the breakup of the U.S., and they do it through laws they know are partisan that will result in a soft secession, mm-hmm. yeah. meaning New York City has basically said MAGA not welcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been listening to Alex. Alex Jones did um, – he was on Sydney and Elijah's show, and mm-hmm. then he went on – uh, gosh, what did he go Crowder? on? Yeah, he went on Crowder and they were talking. I watched a little bit of that and I was fact checking what he was talking about. And Klaus Schwab, really, I mean, since for decades, he's been intending to make like a corporate global or he's, he's like saying it. Yeah. Governments aren't effective enough. We need corporations to work with governments to govern the world now. Pretty sure that's like Mussolini's fascism. Definitely it's fascism when you, when you collude corporations and governments. But I think yep. that there's this outside foreign entity that's doing this to the United States because the United States is very, very unique and we need to preserve it, in my opinion. But other forces, that doesn't register with Klaus. He's not an American. He never was. So it's a foreign concept to him, what we have here. Well, you, you heard what Jack Dorsey said. Uh, you know, it, it's a cliche to, to bring up the Dorsey podcast with Rogan that we did. But Jack said, we are working, we, we, we care to a global audience, not an American one. And right there, it's like, okay, he is telling us that their intention is to subvert the American will, that he doesn't view the nation as even existing. On top of that, you have people like Bernie Sanders. He he tweeted out, it's two senators should not be able to stop 48 senators and 210 congressmen and women. It's like, Senator Sanders, there's 52 senators in opposition mm. to you, but he doesn't view the other half of the country as being part of the equation. Mm-hmm. So he's outright like, you are not a part of this. And then you, you, you take a look at the, how, how big tech acts. It feels like it's funny when, when we have that, we have, we have some guy super chat saying that, you know, we, we on this show and the friends of this show are radicalized. And I'm like, we're the ones who are like America, American history, constitution, liberty. That's not radicalizing. That's status quo. Mm-hmm. That's being like this country is about defending civil mm-hmm. rights, granting them over time and protecting the individual. Now we have a growing faction of internationalists, and they say they are, authoritarians, 
And they say that, well, they lie about that because they don't want to admit it, but they show us they are. And it feels like perhaps we get this wrong. When we talk about the culture war and we say left versus right or authoritarian versus libertarian. It is the soul of America versus the conquering forces, which are destroying it. And the conquering forces make up tens of millions and are be- and control the institutions. I think the idea of <clears throat> saying the greater good has accelerated the idea of, of like this global community. Like I care for everybody. But people who are saying greater good lately, they're also telling me that they don't believe in things like borders. Mm. And so America doesn't, it's an idea now. It doesn't exist. Right? It's, it's everybody right. else outside, um, which we should all care about people, but they've erased the borders. I think people need to understand there's not going to be like an, any kind of internationalism. I mean, that's what the left literally calls, they don't call it globalism. Right. Will not actually happen. They don't, they don't understand that they are selling themselves out. These American leftists who are like, I believe in internationalism. And it's like, okay, well, what will really happen is that the global powerful elites with, with powerful military forces will just centralize their authority in their own country and everyone else will be subjugated. Right. It's not going to be like a one world government. It's going to be the hunger games with capital city that they live in, well guarded and protected, and then you will lose everything. And you'll be happy. Hmm. So they say. Even more terrifying is it's they don't even care about the governments half the time, it's the corporations that they want to govern. Like it makes sense. Corporations can function uh, like like authoritarian machines. They yeah. can distribute resources um at their own whims. And they can shut you off if they want, you know, socially. They'll erase terrible. you. It's incredible yeah. how someone can get banned off of all these social media networks and then have their bank account shut down by PayPal and Visa and, and like all at once, like within a day, it can yeah. happen to someone that's in completely, I mean, not, I don't like the word anti-American, but I mean, it's, it's the antithesis of, of like, of individual freedom and liberty. Like we're, we're supposed to create a government to protect our ability to communicate and socialize. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll say this. If America cannot survive this, it doesn't deserve to. Mm. If, mm. if America does not have the, the, the resolve, the strength, the will, and the fortitude to survive the authoritarianism that it's sweeping across this country, then it, then it shouldn't. One thing that could happen is it could take over this thing, and then it's like we're under another corporate monarchy for the next X amount of years, and then there's another revolution, or we can resist it and avoid that tyranny. At what point do they start actually resisting? There, this is a form of resistance just by talking about it and pointing out like, yeah. hey, Klaus Schwab wants to have corporations govern you. Right. That's, that's a form of resistance. And I don't think the pressure will ever stop. Yeah. That's the thing. Mm. When do we, when do we stop resisting? I guess it's, the censorship the is my biggest problem when it comes to like erasing voices. I think people should be able to say what they want and we could debate that. And the, you know, I, I always talk about the immune system of your ideas you can only get better if you put it out there to fight something that you might not believe in. But you hear an idea, maybe it makes your idea stronger, or you learn you were wrong, right? If you censor all these voices, you don't have that anymore. Then you're just in a corner, and you can only say one thing, and then ideas stop growing. Well, then the powerful elites can say what they want. Yeah. And that's what'll happen. For sure. And, and that's and that's what it means to have corporate rule. It's great it advertising. Means, you know, corporate rule, it's, 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 you know, honestly, it is communism. And it's not, it's like, it's like neo-futuristic communism. They don't take over by force. They take over by selling you things you like. They take over by convincing you to give up your rights. And then eventually there's a corporation with a chairman and they can decide you have to do X if you want access to Y. You, if you want food, then you work for us. Oh, it's a private company. We can do what we want. So when, when, when corporation X is more powerful than the government and the, and the government can't protect its people, the government and the corporation controls where you can go and what you can say. And they do in many ways. 
then eventually you are just a part of an authoritarian dictatorship. I don't care what you call it. Mm-hmm. Corporations don't grant you the same, you know, don't protect your rights. They don't care. You work for a fast food restaurant, they can ax you at any moment. Now, there are some laws on the public side to protect you, but the public side is just, they're, they, they're, they're, they're colluding together. And if you think you have job security at a corporation, wait till they automate your role and want to cut back on their overhead. And then you, know, you don't have really any job security. There's nothing, pre- not that you have job security by nature, but. Mm-hmm. It's not going to like enhance your ability to work working for a corporation as opposed to government. Yeah, people aren't working. I drove down here. Mm. I saw a pan- I saw a Panera somewhere. They were they were closed, understaffed. Yeah. Sign on the door. Sorry, I've been in this Panera. This one like a ton of times on the way down. It's cascade failure, man. Yeah. When when one store has ten people working and that's there and and they're like slightly above the staff they need for operation, and then one person says, "I quit." I don't want to do this anymore. Or I have to move. My family's moving because of COVID. Right. Now they're down to nine people and they're like, okay, now we're pushing it. Everyone's working a little bit more than they'd like to, but we can maintain this. And then someone goes, I didn't sign up for this. I don't get paid enough. I quit. Mm. Now they're understaffed. Then the people are just like, dude, I can't work 60 hours. I need a day off. I quit. And then there's no one left. And they say, with only five people, we can't keep this place open. I'm sorry, guys. Have a nice day. You're all fired. So it's the death of the smaller businesses. People don't want to work but they worship corporations mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the country will become the corporation. It's happening. Yeah. It's going to be like idiocracy with Costco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> check, check out this story from the independent biggest crash in world history. Personal finance expert, Robert Kiyosaki predicts economic crisis in October. A crash is a really good time to get rich says author of rich dad, poor dad. Now I don't believe him. Hmm. It's a bit much to be like this yeah. month. It'll happen. However, I don't not believe him, you know, because we just had uh, Bob Murphy on The Economist, PhD economist, say that they removed the restriction require the restrictions on on uh, reserve fractional reserve banking, the reserve requirement. So basically, banks can just print money and give mm. it out. Mm. Yeah. So here, let me just read a little bit. They say personal finance expert Robert Kiyosaki warned the crash is coming regardless of whether the U.S. debt ceiling is raised or what measures are imposed by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen or Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. This is going to be the biggest crash in world history. We have never had this much debt pumped up. The debt-to-GDP ratio is out of sight. Mr. Kiyosaki said the stock market was being artificially inflated by the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve with decisions disconnected from the realities of the current economy in the U.S. The reason why Ms. Yellen and Mr. Powell are scrambling, he said, is they've expanded the volume of money while the velocity of money is plummeting as no one spends and their crash and their cash lingers in savings. He says, quote, so they pump all this money in, prices go up. So it is a tran- it, it is transitory inflation, but we're stacked with this massive debt and it, all it's done is bump up the stock market and real estate market. The money has not gone into the economy. That's the sad part. So the rich get richer, but the poor and middle class are getting poorer. It's tragic what's happening today. You can't keep printing fake money. That's not good. Mm. Yep. I've, I've noticed it when I was buying my crystals and rocks, as I told you, especially my <laughs> opals. Uh, yes. the, people aren't spending. So the people that have this load of assets they need to unload have to drop the price. These people are cutting, slashing the prices by 80% to offload their assets. So the rich people can buy up all the assets now yeah, because but desperate people are selling. But that's not essentials. At the same time, the, pe- the land, for instance, people are like, wow, they're desperate to get out of cities. The stuff they really need, the prices are skyrocketing. So what's going to, if there is a crash, what would happen to like land prices? Would they, skyrocket. They would skyrocket. Well, here's, here's, here's my bet. There's a lot of arguments you could give to why land would crash because if people don't have money, they can't buy. So that means people are trying to sell. We have to lower their prices. Or it could be that land is a necessity. 
and people in cities who can't afford to live anymore will be desperate to leave, so, which will which will it'll put the pressure on those trying to leave. What we're seeing right now, in my opinion, the crash is happening. The M1 money stock is is is, is insane, even after they change the, the the definitions and the rules, and you've got people trying to leave cities for the country. I have, I am seeing it in these prices. It is insane how much money we have to spend to try and expand even into West Virginia because people are like my garbage land is now worth, you know, <clears throat> a fortune. Mm-hmm. So what I think would happen is if the crash gets worse, it will just continue the trend we're already seeing. People in New York will be like, I don't need opals. Please buy the opals right. from me. I don't need they're going to be like <sighs> What's it worth? It's a hundred dollar opal. I'll give you twenty bucks. Fine, please, just take it. And by the I way, I can't do anything with an opal. I'm buying the opals to teach children about rocks and stones. That's the investment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Investing but, in the future. No, but look, look. I love it. This is the point I've always made. You know, when Alex Jones would say on his show, "Buy your gold, people," I'd be like, "Okay, it's the apocalypse. The economy is crashing, and I'm walking down the street, and I see a guy with a big old pile of gold, and I've got a sandwich in my hands, and he says, "Hey, hey." I'll buy that sandwich off off you for a piece of gold. And I say, uh-huh. I look to my right, and there's a guy with a bottle of water. And he says, I'll share my water with you and for some of your sandwich. And I'll be like, I'm thirsty. And that's substantially more valuable than a shiny rock. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, hey, you want water and food, but you don't have money for it? What do you, what do you have to offer us? Blood. Literally, you can donate blood. <laughs> we need your biometrics. I don't. I don't know we need about your DNA. in an apocalypse. Like you know, what would you trade? Because what's going to happen is it depends on like, the start of the apocalypse. Blood, I guess yeah. necessities <laughs> are going to skyrocket. Like water and food is going to skyrocket. Yes. And if people can't afford it, what do they have to offer other is, than their own bodies? This is yes. That's a good yes, point. Indeed. But I, I, I was I was saying yeah. like in, in the analogy on the side of the road, I didn't quite understand why someone on the side of the road would be like, I have an IV. I I'm know. Ready. Isn't that crazy? But yeah, um, people will have to – they'll do a lot of things. They'll do a lot of things to try and survive. But I, I asked this question before. What is the one thing that is mo- is the hardest to produce but is extremely co- – is commonly used in homes? Chemicals? Yeah. Bleach? Well, yeah. well I said antiseptics. Yeah. I don't think most people know how to make an antiseptic. You can probably make a, a rudimentary alcohol if you know how to, you know, distill things. Yeah. But that's not super easy. So I'm thinking, like, what is the hardest thing to produce that we use every day? Soap. Soap's not that hard to make. It, it, but, but yes. Relative to how I, frequently it's used, it's kind of... Mm-hmm, soap yeah. is good, but I, I feel like antiseptics. So I bought a bunch of mouthwash and isopropyl alcohol and hydrogen peroxide. Things that, like, in the event of an injury, we, you want to clean your wound... Because back in the day, you got to you stub your toe, and it's like chop your leg off. You got an infection. Yep. One vitamins too. Yes. Oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think this that's one of the positives over the last year and a half of people realizing we should take vitamins. Yep. I take C, D, B, yeah. and uh, a multivitamin and magnesium. Yeah. Ever yeah. since the the pandemic, I've yeah. been that's almost zinc. Yeah. As needed. When notice people washing their hands yeah. in public restrooms. Mm-hmm. Zinc, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. There there are a lot of people who have. Urban property investments mm. that are going to drop to nothing. Mm. No one's going to want to be in New York City when they're struggling to get resources into the city. It's so hard. Yeah. And so, if you bought a condo or apartment in New York, I can't imagine you're having a good go of it trying to trying to get out of there, especially with the with the lockdowns. Yeah, like uh, an hour and a half of north of the New York City, there are homes that were two hundred thousand dollars that are now six hundred, seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Right. And people are moving there. And it's like a lot of my friends. I'm 36. A lot of our, our parents moved up from the city in the 80s so they witnessed the collapse of the city in the 70s when everything was on fire and it was terrible it was bankrupt um so now all of that hour and a half north is kind of full although people are now moving to go maybe to florida but the uh hour now north of us 
is what's being filled in. You know, upstate, upstate, real upstate New York. Have so you noticed? I, I, don't, I don't know if you've checked city prices though. Have they been going down? I haven't. I can't imagine. We have they, a spiking they, they, right but, now, but you made a great point that the that, the real value of city land is not going to escalate if it gets difficult to. Oh, it's going to be like Escape goods. from New York. People are great gonna, movie, by the way. Great movie. Real, yo, I was I was yeah. I was there when when Sandy hit New York. Oh yeah, and like Me I too. went I went to a bodega. I was too. I was like, I'm hungry. Let's go to a bodega. Mm-hmm. They had two guys standing outside with two by fours and a line of people waiting to get in one at a time. They were only allowed in. And I went in. The guy said, the stuff in the fridge is all spoiled, but the the dry goods are still good and i was like okay and, and then i looked in the fridge and it's like okay the gatorade is still good hmm. you know the the, the 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 sodas are just warm but all the milk all the dairy all the perishables just gone with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So this is, this is an interesting concept. Like, Things that have value. This, this is what I was thinking about when people are buying, like, even NFTs. I think NFTs would probably drop dramatically in value if there's an economic crash. Mm-hmm. They're um, art. Yeah, they're just art, basically. But maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, that's one way to use them as art. You can do them for contracts and stuff like that, right. too. I, I think those. I think NFTs would probably go down, but I do think crypto would skyrocket because people are going to need a digital means of transaction in the event it becomes harder with, these, with, with you know, the way banks operate. But we'll see. I don't, I don't know if the banking system would be you know, uh, as, a, as negatively affected, but if businesses are, if banks start going under and you know, banks start closing and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're like, where's my, where's my money? But I will say, like, I think there are certain hard assets that will become substantially less valuable or stay the same. And then rural land is probably going to become massively valuable. Realistically, how yeah. valuable is gold anyway? I mean, I, I know it's know. useful as like a superconductor, but actually, really, really valuable. Yeah, but for it's, it's, for the common person, though, no, yeah, it's really valuable. Yeah. The problem is we value it for its like, you know, its its shine, shininess, instead yeah. of its Chem- si- yeah. scientific processes. Right. You know, it's it's a scarce, valuable object. The scarcity drives it. We do use it in a lot of technologies, and it's ex- extremely valuable in that regard. But we don't really value it for that. That that value does help drive up the cost, though. But I think. I don't know if we'll get to that point with economic collapse where like a bottle of water will be worth a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, that could happen easily. It could, but I don't know if we'll get to that point. Even if, even if we face a major economic crisis, people still work, people still make stuff. You know, I'm thinking about how crazy everything's gotten and I'm watching Fox news and I'm like, you know what I realized? People watch the news and the news is doing the same thing it always does. The guy goes, you know, Bill Hammer's on TV and he's like, Afghanistan happens and they assume like, see, everything's fine. Like my, cause they assume like, the, the TV would shut off like in the movies. Yo, go to any one of these countries. Look at the history of any, any one of these countries that went through revolution, even Afghanistan. The economy is still struggling along, even in Afghanistan. People are still working. People are still going out and buying food. It doesn't just cease to exist. 
So you can absolutely be watching your TV program while the world is collapsing around you and not realize it be- because this TV show is giving you this like this veil. Yeah. You know? They pick and choose the apocalypse, right? Like if it's a, a migrant caravan a few years ago, that's all we saw on the news. If it's a mi- migrant caravan now, you don't really see much of it. You got to go to the borders of You got to go to the Ventura report on Instagram <laughs> yeah. to see Jorge yeah. standing yeah. there recording them wild. taking I boats across the river. I think they're just talking about the border. Yeah. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't think they're ignoring it. I think it's a huge story. But yeah, we had a, I mean, now they're estimating 400,000 migrants, you know, coming up in the next month. Yeah. And I look at that and I'm just like, look, call it pessimistic or just call it what it is. How can you watch all of this happen and then say, Tim is wrong. The Republic is in good shape. We had, we had a guest on the show. I'm not going to call him out after the show. He was, he, he asked me or like we, we were talking, I don't know if he asked me or if I, I brought it up something about like, you know, you really think things are going to fall apart. And I was like, they're literally falling apart. And he was like, nah, I think it's fine. I think this is just like, you know, news and everything's going to be fine. And then I was like, how can you witness the street violence, the shootings, the fire bombings, mm-hmm. the, the executive authority, the rule by edict, the January, what happened on January 6th, Antifa riots, and just be like, nothing is happening. Mm. I'm like, yo, history is happening right now in your face, but you're a frog in a pot as the water is turning up and you don't even realize it. Yeah, I, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm not saying that it's this is the end because I'm always like kind of paranoid. I'm like, this is, this has got to be the end. <laughs> but then when it starts <laughs> to be the end, yeah. like when COVID hits and it starts to tilt down, I'm like, no, it's fine, right? But then, my grandfather was a cop in the city in the 70s. That was the end for him, mm-hmm. right? Like, but also when he was younger, he saw an atom bomb fall out of the sky. I mean, he thought it was the end then. Yeah. But this feels different, maybe because we're of a certain age and experiencing it. We might have families and houses and all that stuff, and all that's collapsing. But something does feel different than what my grandfather would tell me. I, th- I think maybe the issue is that we call it the end. When it's yeah. not the end, it's a change, mm-hmm. it's a transition. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, the the American Empire uh, couldn't last forever. Mm-hmm. Soviets couldn't last forever, and that's what's happening. You know, so I, I said this the other day, and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe what happens is if you live in New Hampshire, all of a sudden the country breaks apart. The federal government has no authority, as we've already seen with California sanctuary state decree. The feds, the emperor has no clothes. So now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you got no income tax and you can have guns. I don't think people in New Hampshire are going to be upset about what's going on. And I think people will absolutely adapt to the circumstances, meaning they'll raise their own food. There's, you know, people mm. will, it, there's going to be a hole in the market. Someone's going to be like, hey, now that, now that we're struggling to get the imports in, we can't get avocados or strawberries because those are seasonal and have to cross, you know, very, very far and require a lot. We, uh, we, we, we don't have a whole lot of food out here. And then someone's going to be like, I could grow food and make money doing it. Whoa. Farming will become more valuable. It'll go back to basics. People will start valuing good, hard work all over again. There's a lot of value in that because people are going to spend more time with their families. They're going to be more responsible for themselves and get away from this, you know, I don't know. Just start naming off the de- seven deadly sins and you can describe New York City. Yeah. And that'll start changing. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the better. Yeah. That's why I'm not completely depressed about everything. It seems it's really bad. But I like that. It's, I like that people are returning to that kind of thing. It's actually a super red pill to me. And this is something that I've been talking about a little bit because I feel like, you know, the cycle. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. Well, we're going into bad times. We're going to come up with some really strong people. I think that's good. I think that's positive. And I think that's something humans have been doing for thousands of years. There's no reason to suspect that this would be any different. So to me, that's very positive. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, you know, my grandparents, their parents fled pogroms in Russia. Oh, wow. There were people running to their towns with axes and hacking them up. And uh, they left and they took a boat to here. And when they got there, this is my grandma's father. 
uh, one of four children, he had a scab on his head. They said, you got to go back. So she went back with the with the kids to the pogroms mm. and had to hide out for the scab to heal and then oh take my. the boat back. Wow. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. That's apocalyptic, right? Yeah. They made it, and I, I have a grandma. They had to go that. back because the scar would have given the person away as a fleer? No, fleeing? it was it was, it was was like a from just like a, a cut that he had from something else. But it could be disease or something. It could be oh, disease. That's what they were yeah. thinking, yeah. Exactly. Like they were like, oh, we don't know what this is. You could leave the kid or send the kid back, and you stay here. Um, that's bold. So look, look, I think of that. Look, yeah. I want to pull up this article that Shane wrote. This is the beautiful ones in Universe 25. Rats hope and despair at the end of the world. This is about the rat utopia experiment. And there was the, the title of it. I think you nailed the title because it's the most interesting aspect to me. The beautiful ones. Mm. When I see what's going on now, it feels like, I think it's Kierkegaard's clown where he comes out and he warns mm. everybody there's a fire, but they all laugh. And then he yeah. finally says, no, no, there's a fire. And they laugh even harder. And, yeah. you know, there's that idea. But then there's also... While all of this chaos is happening, you have what I view to be as a as a cult that just blindly believes the media. The media is just overtly lying all the time to make money. So you've basically got a sinking ship while people are stealing from the pockets of these people while they're distracting them. And it's just like it's going down. And then meanwhile, there are these shows where people are glorified and glammed up and they're dancing. And I'm like. Those are the beautiful ones. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just grooming themselves and beautifying themselves as everything goes into chaos. But uh, you break this down for us and explain to us the beautiful ones, and then you know we'll roll. Yeah, through. John B. Calhoun is a scientist who started making these rat utopias, and um, he would take four males, four females, put them in a little he called universe, mm-hmm. and let them exponentially grow. Uh, those early experiments. They would just kind of like overcrowd. So they just like clump up here, clump up there, and he would stop it and have to start over. Uh, but Universe 25 was with mice, and that's when he basically he gives them everything they need. All the food, all the water, all the medicine. There's no sickness. There's no hunger. The only thing that's lacking is space. And um, he, I think he did something with like powder food on one side and like nicer food in the middle, which kind of created a, kind of like a city and a country type vibe. Interesting. Yeah, but... The beautiful ones would emerge in these universes when the population was about to hit equilibrium. So, like, Universe 25 could hold about 3,000 or so mice. Um, and I think around 2,000 is when the beautiful ones would emerge. And they're these mice that just stopped caring about mating. They stopped caring about anything. They just kind of groomed themselves and became beautiful. They did nothing. Um, and around this time is when it would start to collapse. Behavior. They would call it, he would call it the behavioral sink. You know, it would just, uh, like, total insanity. The mothers would abandon their kids. Um, there's, like, mice mating, male mice mating with male mice, and there's, uh, um, they're attacking the kids, and it got ugly. Um, Hypercrowding, ones, too, right? Like, they would all cluster in one area? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at a certain point, it was just so much that he believed that when there was no space left, there was no feeling of, um, like, you had to do anything. Just survive. That's all you're doing, right? So you're getting attacked. You're hiding. Um, and then the, the dominant mice would try to protect their, like, you know, their city of women. So mice were getting attacked as well? Yeah. There's violence. Were people leaving the beautiful ones alone? Yeah. I, I don't. They might have been attacked, but they were trying to, like, alone on the sides. You know, Were they being just grooming taking selfies? Yeah. Taking selfies. At first, I thought it was behavioral sync as in synchronization, but it's behavioral sync, like sinking. Yeah. going down. Yeah. yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So as I stated this in the intro that maybe the inbreeding had something to do with the disassociation, dissociative behaviors since it all came from eight mice, maybe because I did have mice as a child and one of them, I would, I saw some inbreeding and, and some deformities came out mm. in the mice. Um, did he That's, like destroy the deformed ch- child? Did he destroy mice? To make- I don't know about destroying them, but he would pluck the ones that survived the collapse and try to put them into new universes. And they were so traumatized. They couldn't shake, you know, their mm. violent behavior. Maybe traumatized is the right word. Maybe programmed, developed yeah. into this reality. Sure, true. And so that spells very... There's a lot of people... I, I, actually, in the piece, you talked to Brett Weinstein. Yeah. And he's like, well, they use lab mice. They don't use wild mice. Right. Uh, la- For lab- every experiment. Right. Yeah. And so that means in the wild, the parents transfer knowledge, some knowledge to their children. But, you know, a good example is... And I love bringing up the chickens is that we have three babies that uh, were raised away from the parent chickens and they don't know how to eat bugs. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know how to teach them how to eat stink bugs. The the other babies, can they can. You can learn. Oh, right. I can eat it and show them. <laughs> yeah. But because they look to me like a parent, you know, I put the stink bug in there and they just look at me like, what's this? And right. they don't do it. The other chickens we had were raised around only other chickens. Mm. So they see a bug, they immediately go after it. Mm. That that knowledge transfer didn't occur with these, and that's why I was reading. They say like you typically, if you want to have chickens, you want the chickens to be raised, to be born by other chickens, or like raised with them so that they can learn from them. These lab mice don't have that. Yeah. So that could be a major factor in why we are not going down that path. But just yeah. to say one more thing, when I see these videos on YouTube, when I see that some of the most prominent and popular YouTubers are quite literally the beautiful ones. I'm like, yo, I think we're in the rat utopia. I think yeah. it's happening. Like what I was saying earlier, too, is I think it used to seem like the elites were the only ones who could become the beautiful ones. They would have the money, the space. But with things like TikTok and filters, people can just curate whatever best beautiful self they want Makeup to be online. Makeup tutorials. Makeup tutorials, everything. Um, surgery, if you can do that. But everyone's the beautiful one now. We're, we're below replacement level reproduction. So it's like, you know, you know right. what? what's interesting is he did. You did say he tried to have like a rural and city kind of vibe to certain, you know, to, to how he did the universes. But people who live out in the middle of nowhere who are more self-sufficient probably aren't experiencing what the cities are experiencing. So there, there's economic constraints that make someone trapped in this space, right? People say, I'm in the city. I can't afford to leave. Mm. So that is what keeps them in that universe. Although they could physically walk out. They don't because they don't know how to survive otherwise. People live in r- rural areas are more independent and more likely to have the skills to survive on their own. Not absolutely, but more so. So they aren't experiencing the behavioral sink. The rural people tend to be conservative and they're watching the city people, the beautiful ones and the chaos and the fighting and the violence. And they're saying, stop, but you can't shake what you described as the trauma from them. Yeah. I think the internet has collapsed space though. So like maybe a lot of the children in the rural like places they are able to be the beautiful ones online. And also there's consequences of the cities and the policies that are affecting the country too. Gas prices are messing up farmers who have to, or truckers, you know, like this is the first time in my life since I've been driving 
that I can travel the country and see the gas prices be the same. I, I could usually go south and expect it to be Different. you know way lower. lower. Yeah, it's the same mm-hmm. everywhere. It's almost four dollars by me. Wow, uh, but it's like three 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 fifteen around here. Three thirty. Shocking. You know, I'm thinking that the the behavioral sync world, the universe, is like the internet. So these people that are in the internet all the time are in that confined space, and it's yeah. driving them insane. Yeah, yeah. I think overcrowding is technically the psychological effects of density. Mm. So that would make sense because it's a dimension where you we've in like COVID. I think we've uploaded our identities onto the internet more than maybe ever. Right. Every we we zoom to work. We see family for, you know, doing uh, however we're doing COVID on Zoom. Like I know some people who haven't seen their family in a year. Hey, me. I'm one yeah. of those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So people, that's the real space now. And this is one of the reasons I'm adamant. I'm like, we don't do, we don't do um, Zoom or Skype stuff. Like we do in-person shows. And I get a lot of really prominent people who are like, can't you just do it for me? And I'm like, sorry, man. It's Not funny because when we try inviting these leftists, they're like, Tim won't do remote because he's a coward. I'm like, if you had any idea the people I rejected and how famous and big because I won't do remote stuff. Yeah, that's just not true. But I'm not going to I'm not going to air anybody's business. We, you know, we've had a few people. Um, many of them aren't in aren't in the U.S. They can't even travel here anymore. Mm. So, uh, you know, not to not, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to name anybody because people might be like, yo, don't drag me into anything. But there's there's a lot of people of like medium followings to large followings. Some of them uh, are like moderate. Some are very conservative. Some are prominent internationally. They don't, they don't want to do it. It's this. There's something very visceral about being in, in close proximity with someone in communication, body language. You can hear them vibrating. I mean, I know it's funny to think of, but it's very low frequency. Yeah. You can hear people vibrating whether you realize it or I, not. You can I, smell I, uh, them. It's amazing. You don't feel any vibrating right now? I feel you <laughs> vibrating. Thank you. Is? I thought somebody was vibrating. Please take your foot off you. my Your quartz, your quartz uh, pyramid right there. But No, I was, a, I was an adjunct professor for like 10 years. And um, in person is the best. I, was, I would sit just like this with a room of students and we, we would write. And you could hear like if someone was reading something they just wrote and it was clicking with everybody. The room, the silence, you could hear it. You could feel the mm-hmm. silence, right? So when, we're, when COVID kicks us all home, we're on Zoom. That's gone. There's no, like, it, it's, there's no interacting anymore at all. Like, they, they didn't feel, um, as comfortable. And it has, I think it has to do with analog sound and digital sound. Mm. With digital sound, you can't have a one and a one active. Everything else has to be at zero for one to translate. But with analog, we can put one and one together and have these weird harmonies. So that's in person. We have analog, I've, but the digital transformation. I've it. done, yeah. I've done some stuff, uh, Ben Shapiro had hit me up before and he was like, do you want to do the show? And I was like, that'd be great. And we did it remote. And it was actually really hard because I had to record it and then take the memory card and then have it driven yeah. to a place to upload because the internet is not good enough. <laughs> At the time, we had, to, we had to install the internet lines here. It was like a, very, it was a lot of construction work. And I was like, it, it, you know, it was cool to talk to Ben. He's a cool dude. And but it just really felt like I would talk and then pause and then he would talk and then pause. And you don't get those moments where, like, out of nowhere, you know, Ian might just blurt out the vibrations of the universe. And, like, <laughs> yeah. th- those are human moments yes. that make something feel alive. Oh, geez, eye yes. contact. You can't make eye contact right. online at all yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they put cameras in the middle of the screen, behind the screen, and then you might feel like you're making eye contact. That's a good idea, yeah, actually. That's weird, we should but it might, that. It might block and we should also use sapphire for the screens, I think. Sapphire. Wait, how? I think it, it don't, dude, have you seen a star sapphire? Yeah. And then you look through a lens that's pointed at the, at the sun and you see that same star pattern. Hmm. I think that if you use sapphire lens that it might help in high, 
high brightness. That would cost a lot. Idea. It does sound beautiful. I believe you. I'll experiment. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think people uh, just feel a lot of, at least my students, because they were they're much younger, right? Um, they do feel more comfortable online, hmm. but they were comfortable to be quiet, right? Right, like because they're usually just very quiet online, but their their real world was also taking over their internet space. So we'd be in class technically on Zoom, but I would have a kid at like a McDonald's drive through <laughs> like just ordering food. Be like, wow. hey, going yeah, have you seen that viral <laughs> video where the kid uses a green screen or whatever? And so it's like he was out with his friends or something. I can't remember what it was. But he was trying to use like a background and the teacher was like, I can tell I'm doing it. <laughs> so you were Ferris, Bu- Ferris Bueller of Zoom. Yeah. You were a teacher with in classrooms and then it tr- you were there for the transition into the COVID yeah. Zoom. What was that like? What's- um, I remember, so it was two different schools. One was a community college and one was a private school. And which are very, it was interesting to see like kids with, who came from money in a private school and mm. kids from the community in the community college. Um, but for the most part, they felt like it was the end times. And I kept telling them it's not. Wow. This is before, this is before we locked down in New York, all that stuff. I was like, it's going to be fine. And I told the whole spiel of my grandfather and all that stuff. And they're like, okay, good. And then a week later, we were kicked off uh. back to Zoom. And I'm, I'm terrible with computers. So I'm like, you know, just cl- clicking away, trying to make it work. But, um, I, th- I thought it was horrible. I, I hate teaching on Zoom. Um, and it was, you just lost that human aspect. And, uh, I think, especially when you're trying to create things, like it was creative writing classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do it, man. It's not, a, it's, it's not possible. Didn't work. You know, because we have to do workshops and kids have to like look at you in the face and be like, I like this part, but this part not so good. You could do this and that. And on Zoom, you're just Brady bunching you know, around yeah. and it doesn't just doesn't feel right. Um, so I think it's horrible. But then kids got really comfortable doing it. And right. I think a lot, I think a lot of people like it now. For lack of resistance, it's easier because it's more comfortable. But comfort is not the way to get stronger. Right. Often you need discomfort. Have but to. this is it's the only way. This is unfortunately still a net positive yeah kids are more likely to younger younger people are more likely to be at home now their parents are more likely to spend time with them and mm-hmm. their parents are more likely to know what they're being taught in schools so remote remote learning has not been a bad thing in my opinion other than it's better for the kids to be in person mm-hmm. but when the parents started getting wind of what the teachers were saying and there was that viral video where the one teacher was like the parents can't find out what we're telling their children you know it'll be bad for us mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do yep. all of a sudden the parents were like we can hear you we can see this stuff yeah, that was Get away wild. from my children. I was talking, I mentioned this to you earlier. I was talking with Ben Stewart about technology and the advancement. It's like every technology is both good and bad. Everything is a variance on some level. And we have to kind of alloc- or locate where the badness is and where the goodness is. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, like dynamite. Yeah. You know, they called uh, uh, Alfred Nobel the merchant of death. Mm-hmm. He saw his obituary accidentally printed and then freaked out. That's what they're calling me. And, <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess the idea for dynamite was like, easier mining you could plant the explosive leave and then no one was good boom and then it falls down but they were like you made a weapon the technology wasn't meant to be evil or destructive in the sense that it would hurt people it was meant to make things safer and easier but it was a powerful weapon so i always tell people no matter what you do you will help someone and you will hurt someone Mm -hmm. and I, i don't mean to be completely absolute like sure like you could jump and click your heels and it affects nothing or nobody in fact it might make someone happy but i'm talking about you know your political aim when you're like, I believe in universal health care, and so we're going to vote for this. And then there's some you know, person whose, price, who, whose taxes go up because of it, now their budget's disrupted, and some retiree is being hurt by it. There's, there's, there's no neutral action. Yeah. Like, you know, you can try to do better, and we can try and err on the side of maximizing good, but you'll ultimately always hurt someone. And I think this is an important thing to mention because 
you may one day be the nicest person in the universe who saved a billion babies' lives, and then one day one dude shows up, and he's just like, you did this to me. And I started thinking about this. You know why? The Sixth Sense. The movie. Bruce Willis's character mm, wins that I award. Like. Mm. He wins an award for his amazing work with child psychology. And then one day there's some dude in his underwear like, you lied to me, and then shoots him. And so here's a guy who was doing as good as he could, but he hurt that kid. And so, I mean, that's not a perfect example because what I'm talking about is kind of like a butterfly effect thing mm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you find a good parking space. Your, your friend is like, hey, can you find me a parking space? I, I'm going to be late. So you do. And then someone else pulls up and they're like, he just took the space I needed. You know, there's, it's, it's, the, it's a better example might be the law of equivalent exchange, you know, full metal alchemist. You, you, you have to get something to give something, give something to get something. And that means some people will be on the short end of the stick. Yeah, I remember um, there was a book I read. I don't remember what book it was a long time ago where the guy was wishing for a million. He kept wishing for money. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this cube gives me every time I wish for money, I, it appears in my room. But it, it was disappearing from somewhere else in the universe. Mm. Well, that's like the monkey's paw story, right? Oh, yeah. you, you, got, you know the monkey's paw, obviously. I think I do. You know the monkey's paw? <gasps> How do you know the paranormal? We're going there. <laughs> the monkey's paw <laughs> is you get through. It's the paw and you, you wish on it. Mm-hmm. And then the finger curls, but it twists your wish. So the best example is, you know, someone finds the paw and it says, you, you, it's got, you know, three wishes and they go, I wish for $1 million and the finger curls and then their phone rings and they're like, is this Mr. Johnson? It's like, it is. I have $1 million for you. And they go, oh, and he goes, because your father died and well, his insurance, insurance is paying out. Yeah. And they go, no. Mm, mm. So you get the money, but you have yeah. to give something in exchange. Yeah. Typically, wow. be careful what you wish for. Yeah. There's a, I think there's a balance like that in a lot of things. You know, I noticed that just in, in losing people. You know, I, I know a few people, and myself included, who lost a few dear ones a few years ago. And then there's there's kids all of a sudden. Like, life just seems to balance out. You know, you mm-hmm. lose, and then and then there's kids. That's not as as scary as a monkey's paw, though. The social media no, is scary, though. Like, it, it is the monkey. We've created... The monkey's paw gave us this mass communication, social media. And I'm, I'm terrified right. about the badness of it. Like, I want to focus on... You know, like I'll, I'll be honest... All I, I believe a good portion of the world's problems would end overnight if communications acro- around the world were shut down for like one week. Yeah, we're yes. just talking about the, the Earth started to heal during COVID. I don't know if there's like if that's actually real, but like the uh, the what was it the magnetosphere or like the, uh, the ozone it, opened up and then it sealed up again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was saying the part where people were home and not commuting as much. They said the the Earth was not as was not vibrating as much as it used to. Vibrating, mm. yeah. If we shut, if, if, if not, if we shut down, but if it's just for whatever reason, all social media, all television shows, all information exchange, except for human contact was suspended for a week. I believe all of this would, would, all the crisis would, 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 would probably stop. When we were in Chicago, I was living in my roommate, Eric Paskey, and the, the electricity went out and I was like, what, what do we do? He's like, oh, I was like, want to make soup? So we just yeah. up some soup out. and sat and talked. Yeah. Right. But, lit think, a candle. Know, but think about this. We, we had uh, uh, Yossi Gestetner on. Mm-hmm. He's Jewish, and he talks about you know the Sabbath and how they don't go on the computers. They just hang out with family and talk. Mm. And that has been stripped away from our society for the most it's part. It's why shows like this are so popular. I, because, that's why I love yeah. Rogan's for so long. It's just watching two guys hang out and talk. I felt like I was there with them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like get, getting that time where you're just hanging out with friends and listening and, uh, man, we used to do that when we were kids and we would talk about crazy stuff. I'd be hanging out mm-hmm. at my friend's house playing Knights of the Old Republic. They'd be stoned off their asses and they'd be like, dude, what if like the universe is like actually like only five dimensions, but we can't tell. And it's like just saying weird stuff. I thought I was, <laughs> you think that's true though? Yeah. Probably on some yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that the entire universe as we know it is falling. It, it 
at light speed towards a brick wall, but we wouldn't know because it's all falling at the same rate. Hmm. So it's relative. It just looks like it's sitting still to us. We yeah. End. Yep. Yeah. There's there's four dimensions we're moving through. Or there's three dimensions. There's four dimensions we're moving through, and only three we can control. Yes. And the fourth dimension, time, is like we're in free fall. Yep. You yep. can't. So imagine you're <laughs> imagine imagine you fall you know off the Grand Canyon. You're you're just fall or you fall off a plane. And you're just falling towards the earth. You can move in two dimensions. You know, up, couple, down, left, yeah. right. But you're going down, mm. and then eventually you're headed towards that. So yep. that that's like time. You can't turn around and go back. Unless you have a jetpack yeah, or something, which you don't. Yeah. And you die at but the maybe, end. Maybe. Yeah, we can kind of with video, we kind of reference the past with video. It's a sort of time travel where you can watch past events, but we're not quite five senses of past experience yet. That might come though, but it's, is it really time travel if you just think you're seeing it? It depends. You know, we've uploaded, if we've uploaded our re- identities into the internet and that's what's real, that's what's real. Right? You know, it'd be crazy. So we've used all the social media. And they talk about how we're programming this great AI with all of the stuff we do. So when you go, when you, like recapture, for instance, biggest scam on the planet. Mm. So you, you try to log into a website and it says, to, to, to prove you're human, please click these buttons and like prove this. The computers already know for the most part. What they're doing is they're having you teach the computer what certain things are. So here, here's how it works. They say, please click all the streetlights in this photo. And then you do. The issue is the actual CAPTCHA is your mouse movements. They know if you're a human or a bot based on how the mouse is moving on the screen. Oh. So they don't need you to actually do this labor to train an AI. Here's, here, here's a good sci-fi novel. One day you're online and all of a sudden you see a post on your own Twitter that you didn't make. And you're like, whoa, I, I didn't post that. Someone must have hacked my account. And then you can't log in. And then you look at your Facebook and your YouTube and there's a video on YouTube of, of you talking. And you're like, I didn't record this video. <laughs> And what's actually happened is that everything about your personality, the way you speak, the way you think, the ideas you have, your birthday, was encoded into the AI, and then a digital version of you was created and begins propagating content based off of a fictional, like a, an, art, an AI version of you. And then you like look at your phone, and you're like, what is it? You get a phone call, and you're like, it's from me. And you answer it, and it's like, look at, look at me. I am Tim now. And you're like, no, 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 this, 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 this can't be real. And then all of a sudden, like, like, almost like body snatchers are zombies, artificial intelligence versions of people's personalities emerge. It's gonna go like, I'm, take over. I'm the Tim you want. And it'll be coded to give that person a tailored Tim experience. So based <laughs> on what they think you want, that yeah. AI is gonna say, oh, that's gonna be then creepy, one day, dude. then one day, and you're like, then, then you get the call and you're like, this can't be. And then you drop your phone and then you, you, you're like, you run outside and you're like, your phone's not working anymore because the, and then all of a sudden you open your door and there's this sil- silver looking robot structure that just grabs you by the throat. And then from the fingertips, starts turning into looking like you. And then it's like, I am the perfect version of you. Yes. Awesome. And then all of a sudden, all over all these cities, there's just all these robots, these digital versions taking over. And then like when we talked about the transport problem. Do you die when the transporter teleports you from one place to another because it breaks down your body and reconfigures somewhere else? The entire planet is overwritten by AI, artificial versions of the people who are using the computers, but all of them just act like they're you. Your soul is gone. Your existence is gone, but humanity stays the same except for the robots now. When it comes to the transporter Mm. problem, I think you don't die. 
if you're because what what I imagine what we are right now, we think of our, ourselves as solid. But what seems like it's happening, all these these things called spinners, subatomic spinning momentum things are coming together to form atoms, which mm. bond, and then so we're appearing in place due to the spin of this area. If that if that spin is in a different area, it appears in place over here. It's appearing in place constantly. So if you appear here and now you appear here, it's still you appearing. I would imagine that the soul like magnetically locks onto your formation of body. Don't we shed our cells like every seven, seven years? years? So isn't yeah. isn't transporting just like an accelerated process of that? So if we're still alive Sheep after seven pieces. years, yeah. But we don't shed our souls. No, I don't know. Ooh. I wonder if Maybe the souls like magnetically attached to your form. Bro, we were talking about weren't we talking about this with Alex Jones and Michael Malice? Where like you take DMT and then we're basically just meat puppets for the machine elves or something. So like your soul is not even in this reality. These are just, you know, meat vessels we walk around in. And then when you die, you just snap through the veil and you're a machine elf or something. I, 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 I can feel Seamus's soul right now. I think I feel bad that he's not. I feel like he should be in the room because he's like, no, you guys, that's not it. This is wrong. not the way. <laughs> I think there's I think the interdimensional spaces, it will be next. I think we're going to start exploring that. I really do. Like, well, I, we're doing it. We're I've just been talking DMT. True, true. I've been talking to too many uh, alien abductees who believe that, um, you know, the aliens are, are us from or uh, versions of us from other dimensions. Oh. Well, tell and us not other space. Like, let's uh, let's hear some of these stories. What's 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 really with the aliens? Yeah, like have you heard a story that's kind of like rocked you to your core? <sighs> I wish I could say that, but I I, I have met people who are because I'm such a skeptic. <laughs> Like I, I, That's I do want good, to believe. Though, I really know? do want to believe, and I'm willing to talk to everybody. But I've met I met one person in particular. We talked for like two hours before we even got to aliens. Normal stuff, newspapers, just like media, culture. Really, really got down. And you were like, "Who'd you vote for?" And he was like, "Oh, Biden." <laughs> oh, and by the way, I was abducted by aliens. <laughs> oh yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, I was just like, "So, oh, about the abduction story." Um, and he's been abducted since he was nine, and he's he has a support group for UFO abductees or people who've had encounters. And so they share all these stories, but he's been abducted since he was nine. And he has very, very vivid memories of being lifted out of his window, looking over uh, Peekskill, New York, which is the town where the yellow brick road was, the original yellow brick road. Oh, wow. Yep. And, um, and, and kind of hovering over the trees. And he believes that uh, the beings that come for him are like avatars for beings that can't travel um, from other, if they're far away from like far away planets, he's like, they're, they're controlling them because they have like a hive mind and they're like opening his skull. And he, and he says he wakes up feeling these things and um, he has a PhD in the spiritual awakening of being abducted. It's so, fascinating. Like he's an actual PhD or you're just saying figuratively? No. Yeah. Yeah. Not like me where I bought one for $20. <laughs> he has an actual one. So he, he thinks that they're electromagnetic drones essentially like, they're piloting I don't know if they're these. electromagnetic. I don't know if he knows. He's touched. He says he's touched them, and they they have a, a like a hot sensation. He remembers like recoiling. But this has been happening since to him since he was nine, and, and they he, keep coming for him. Different ones. You know, we all know about the grays. That's what I asked him. So he also claims to be like a psychic, mm. and I asked him if it, are, are the aliens coming. Are you a psychic as a consequence of the abductions, or because you're a psychic? Is that why they're coming to you? Mm. Because he would. He he fixed computers for a living in the, like the seventies after he got back from Vietnam. Seventies, eighties, he's running around fixing like machines and computers. He never talked about being abducted because there was a stigma. You don't want to talk about that with people. So, but people would keep coming up to him and just talking about being abducted. 
they have the urge to tell him like they're weird not abduction stories all the time but like we saw a ufo something yeah. like that and then uh you know i think his wife might have been the first person he told you know after uh 30 years of not telling anybody so i want to say i believe him you know he's <laughs> he's it sounds crazy like he sounds his story is like i sounds legit to me like but I, I also think sometimes people might confuse horrible dreams uh, and a reoccurring nightmare. But I also have then listened to um, different psychiatrists who say there's no way to like have trauma from such an experience. Like these people who claim to be abducted, they have some type of trauma. So they can be hypnotized and they relive it. I know people uh, – I've known people throughout my life with schizophrenia. Mm. And I have heard stories about weird government abductions and experiments. And I'm just like, the things they say are overtly insane. Mm. It's one thing to be like, you need to believe me, man. Guys in suits came to my house yesterday. And I'd be like, okay. I mean, but when they say things like they have nanotechnology devices that they've injected me with that cause invisible cameras to circle that my head at all times. And I'm like nothing's happening am i missing it where is it can you tell me where it is i'm like that's you know objectively nuts i have a theory about schizophrenia though. i think they're plugged in to a, mm. a, a, a mind level that we don't understand it's kind of it's kind of a sad thought though i mean some people may just have misfiring brains and for they, sure you know and they need help but yeah i'm like what if my friend is telling me the truth they're actually seeing something that's that's real and we are just sitting here like because look i've had friends who are, they can have a conversation mm-hmm. and they can tell you like, this is a bottle of water. I need to drink water and ate food. I went to work today. And then they'll say something like, I can see the beings and you're, and people will tell them they're crazy and they're, and they're schizophrenic. And it's just like, imagine if they really did like in the sixth sense, mm-hmm. the kid can see the dead people, but they just tell him he's crazy. Or in, um, Constantine, it's a good example in, uh, uh in Constantine, the movie, he's like growing up, he could see all these things. He could see the angels and the demons and then nobody believed and they thought it was crazy and they put him in hospitals. Imagine being told you're crazy when you're the one who's right because you can see something that people can't. Like, like the Hunter Biden's sorry. laptop. Oh, <laughs> that's way back. I was going to talk about Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, true. Um, no, no, <laughs> you're crazy. That's not real. It never <laughs> happened. Didn't they just confirm that though? Yeah. Uh, right. it, it took the corporate media. But um, I think schizophrenia, people with schizophrenia are kind of plugged into a like an information dump, right? They can't turn it off. And not to say that kids are schizophrenic, but there's a there's like a lack of filter between them and the world. Like I think when we grow up, we start to uh take on all of like the substance of materialism and then we start we start to think of like uh just the routine of life. But kids are still thinking about aliens and ghosts and monsters like my five year old all the time, every night. That's all we talk about. And when I talked, I had a friend who was schizophrenic as well. That's all he talked about. I'm like, maybe they're just like sensing something that we just can't perceive right now. Um, or, or yeah. my kid is just crazy. No, I think remote v- viewing, that's a CIA project. They they, the CIA Stargate. investigates it because it's that seemingly legit. And there's stories about people that die. Did you write and about then, No, not yet. Yeah. Project Looking Glass, I think maybe is something. Stargate, Stargate, Stargate. was the one, and I think it changed names. To, yeah, uh, and then you get this these anecdotal stories of people that die on the operating table, and then they they are oh, yeah. above their body watching, and they hear the doctors saying things, and then somehow they come back to life after a couple minutes, and then they they recall the conversation to yeah. the doctors like, "How did you remember?" Because maybe, they were they were there on the bed. Maybe listening. they were dead, but they weren't. 
the, completely unconscious. The but, crazy, but they see themselves from above, you know. Yeah, but that and they see them like what color she was wearing and yes, but if so, the problem with that standing, is the problem with that is is you know you could be semi conscious and see a pink pink scrubs and see a doctor. You hear what they say, and afterwards you're like, you were talking about your football game, and the nurse was wearing right. pink scrubs. And like, how did you know that? But the crazier stuff I read about was that they would put numbers on the tops of things. And there were people who could tell you, they'd be like, on the top of the monitor was the number six. And they would be like, what? So you could be... Like you weren't able to see Measuring, that. I know, I'm probably bastardizing the, the word mag vibration, but you can measure the <laughs> vibration around you and basically measure the matrix. All you need to know is where something is, how much of it there is, and what it is. And then you can map that onto a three-dimensional grid on a Z- XYZ axis and build the matrix. So if you're feeling the vibration of the matrix, you may be able to calculate what everything is that's causing that vibration. And maybe on some subtle level, people are picking up on that. Because how else would you see a six on top of a monitor? They would have like cards and stuff with information on it that could only be seen from looking down. And there would be people who would be like, I saw this card and it said these things. And they'd be like, wow. I was trying to uh, help solve a serial killer case a few years ago. The Long Long Island serial serial killer. And through that, I was talking to some cops who used people who tried remote viewing to find bodies. Mm. Because this particular killer left like a, a basically a graveyard in Long Island. Body parts all over the place that would match with other parts of long island it was and parts that were there for like one part they found a torso in the middle of long island and they found the hands 30 years later whoa yeah but uh, there was a guy in norway and a guy i think in jersey who were trying to like find you know remote view you know and the guy in norway supposedly according to the reports out there i talked to him he helped find a body and he's just sitting in a room just like (laughs) doing what he does i i tried to reach out to him to help find uh, some some people because we still don't know who some of the victims are, oh, but they are. The, they, like he act, they gave them information. Doesn't that person in just Norway? Become, but don't they just become yeah. a suspect at that point? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he should. I should Where's the body at? I can tell you where the jail. body is. Yeah, I had this huh. great source, and now he's in jail. <laughs> yeah. You should. Uh, you should. Uh, I don't know if I told this before. Look, you should check out the the Istal woman and the Talmud Shud oh, case. Yeah. yeah, you did. It's on yeah, the, list. the the ice woman of Norway, dude. Yeah. It's a crazy story. What was her, what was that deal? What was the deal? So a woman was found like dead of smoke inhalation with a bunch of passports or something. Right. And there's a bunch of like questions about who she was, how she died, and I think the prevailing theory is that she was a Mossad agent tracking down Nazis. Mm. And one of the Nazis she was tracking down to assassinate got the best of her. Oh, that's good. Crazy that's stories, good. dude. Yeah, no, we're getting you into know, it. This is what's really crazy is like I think about history, I think about stories like that. And I'm like, you know, the craziest thing is a, a large portion of our history is probably the, as, the result of a deep conspiracy we'll never know about. True history is probably long forgotten and long lost mm-hmm. because you can look at it today. A news article will come out and they'll say something that's like technically the truth, mm. you know. And then uh, I'll give you a good example. Like Newsweek wrote about the Trump supporters wanting to secede and the Biden voters also agreeing. And they said Trump voters want the country to break apart. What they didn't include was like, yeah, but 41% of Biden voters agreeing is like a substantive number. So it's not only Trump supporters, Mm -hmm. but history will record the framing of it. Mm -hmm. So I think back to like, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, I don't appreciate how you said this about this person because it makes it sound like X when Mm -hmm. it's more like Y. And some people just disagree on framing. Then you look back at history, history being written by the winners. It's not just that. It's like 
You know, we hear these famous quotes, Benjamin Franklin, it is better than 100 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. Hmm. And he could have, maybe what he said or wrote down was substantially more crass or crude. And then later on, someone who knows and loved him said, I'm going to remove that swear word and clean it up. And so, so there's a lot we think we know about history. Our modern perception is based upon what is most likely fabrications and exaggerations. I have a good example of this. So, and I mentioned this skeleton in our first episode that's out now. Um, in my town, we have a missing skeleton problem. What? And by that, wait, wait, there's wait, a one, what? there's, by that I mean there's one missing skeleton. Okay. Well, we don't, oh, okay. We, I'm like, imagine, what's going on? imagine, uh, no, well, we don't know technically if it's more than one. But anyway, there's this local legend, uh, of a woman named Margaret Corbin who was fighting in the revolution, where she was actually on the sidelines as her husband was manning a cannon. And the story goes that he was murdered. He was, they got him. She took over the cannon and she started firing. And then she was, they, she became a prisoner of war and Margaret came back to my town and it was like a, she had horrible, um, wounds from being shot and just kind of lived out her life. We have a, like a statue for her. She, we buried her in this amazing place in West Point, New York with the military academy. Um, but she wasn't always buried at West Point. She used to be buried in the neighboring town, Highland Falls. And in like 1920 or so, the daughters of the American Revolution wanted to honor her. And so they only, by hearsay, there was a, a steamboat captain, Captain Faro, who said, I know where she's buried. It's right here. Everyone knows. So they dug, dug up the body. They had the, uh, the surgeon from West Point go and look at the skeleton and say, yep, looks like the description of Margaret. And then they put her in her new grave. And uh, I, I happen to know the guys who were... Fixing a wall by her new grave, I mean, this is 2016 uh, or maybe 17, they accidentally disturbed her grave and they had to, and then bones came up out of the ground and they had to do the whole clean it up situation. And uh, some scientists from Binghamton University came down and they got the bones and they said, this is a man. This Whoa. is not a woman. What? And uh, it's not as old as you think. Uh, <laughs> so what happened, right? I did a lot of digging. I, I'm pretty close with our historian. She has all the records. And I found all the records dating back between the uh, Daughters of the American Revolution and the superintendent of West Point and some other people because another church wanted her remains. And um, they just started making up a history of her. They said, well, she was born in Ireland. And this person said, no, she was born in Highland Falls. They're like, okay, well, just, just go with Highland Falls then. So, like, that starts to erode this whole story because, like, if that's not the case, then what about the Cannon case? So... We don't know who the skeleton is, and we don't know where she actually is, right? What if she's never existed? I don't think she existed because if I'm driving here, there's uh, Molly Corbin, right? Look up Molly Corbin. It's the same story. I have Margaret Corbin. Really? Molly Corbin. Urban legend. I think a lot of little towns just made their own version, and it could have happened. You know what you should write about? Hmm. Resurrection Mary. You know the story of Resurrection Mary? No. Do you? No. Oh, this is Chicago folklore, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you're, you're probably going to debunk it because Let's the see. urban legends we're told are so different from reality. But I grew up on the south side. Uh, I live just off of Archer Avenue. And Archer goes from the city southwest towards uh, the suburbs. Becomes old Archer Road. And then you get into, like, um, I think it's Willowbrook. So the story is... And you, 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 you'll probably look it up and hear something different from what we are told. But what we were told when we were younger is there's, oh, this is, I'll, I'll tell you my personal experience too. Mm. There was a, a long time ago, 
a young woman went to the Willowbrook Dance Hall off of Archer Avenue. It's in a very, it's very wooded. It's like a forest preserve area. And something happened where she decided to walk home. She was upset with her date or something. And as she was walking home, she got struck by a car. It was a hit and run. I think it was like the 50s, they say. Mm. Something like that. And she died. Since then, this has been, it's a, it's a vanishing hitchhiker story. That people have said they've been driving down the road and they see a young blonde woman wearing a dress, hitchhiking or asking for a ride. And there's a whole bunch of weird things that happen. Like they'll see her walking forward and they'll see her from behind. And then when they drive past her and look back, she has no face. Hmm. Or there are stories that a young blonde woman in a dress will ask for a ride home and get in the vehicle. And then when they're driving, the driver will say like, okay, now where do I go? And they'll look and there's no one there anymore. Hmm. One story was that I think it was a cab driver had picked up a young blonde woman off Archer Avenue because these stories stretch all the way into the city. And said that she gave, she said, just keep driving down Arch and I'll tell you when to stop. When he eventually was coming up to Resurrection Cemetery, which is on Archer as well, she said, here, here. And then he pulls over to stop, looks over and sees the cemetery and says, there's nothing here. And he looks and she's gone. (laughs) Now here's where it gets crazy. This part is the urban legend part, which I'm pretty sure can be debunked. But this is what we're told growing up in Chicago. That at one point, somebody who was working the cemetery saw burns like molding in the gates of the cemetery as if hands were squeezing the gates trying to pull them apart like they were trying to get in and what had happened was they said no no this is just a car you know a truck accidentally backed into it and dented the bars Mm. so we're gonna get it fixed the urban legend they tell again this is probably all apocryphal just kids scaring each other was that after they got it fixed one day people started to notice the paint was coming off and the bends were coming back like she was still trying to get in but I'll tell you my story, man. When I started, uh, uh, I was I was in Chicago and I was with some friends, and I was like, we should actually do an investigation and ask people if, they've seen it, if there's been any sightings. So I lived near Midway Airport, and the stories actually go well past my house, and this is in the city proper. Now you got to drive like I don't know, it's maybe like ten miles down Archer. It's it's a straight road, then it slowly starts winding, and then becomes very very much a forest preserve. And so to hear a ghost story in a city like this. You're like, the airport's right there. You're not, but there were stories of people finding her and, and picking her up. So we decided we're going to go and, and go, to the, go to the area because there's this cafe we used to hang out at all the time called the Ashbury, which is also, they say, is haunted. Like mm. people have been pushed down the stairs and stuff, creepy stuff. It's, mm. it's also in a very wooded area. So we start asking questions. And then at some point, right around the time we're, we're digging into this, the Willowbrook Dance Hall, where the story started, burnt to the ground. And it burned to the ground in October, like just before Halloween or something. So Whoa. we were like, dude, Whoa. we're so freaked out. And uh, a lot of people didn't want to talk. They were like, I don't want to be involved in this. And I was like, they probably get so much of this, people coming and asking them questions. But there's another uh, story from Chicago, and it's the Midlothian Turnpike. You don't want, you want, mm. you want to know about this one. Yeah. The legend we're told in Chicago is that it's where Al Capone dumped all the bodies. Uh. And so it's considered to be like, it's called Bachelor's Grove. I think that's what it's called. It's been a long time since I've, but, creepy stuff happens there not just because the legend of like Al Capone would go to the bog and dump a body where it would sink but because of those legends and the ghost stories creepos would go there and do creepy stuff like chicken slaughtering and there are stories of like people like teenagers when we were teenagers people would be like yo let's go to Bachelor's Grove and it's like off the Midlothian Turnpike and then we'd go there and I've been there scary and creepy and they try to like trick kids and going into going the wrong path so they don't actually go to the it's it's an old cemetery mm. and there are stories where like people would go there and there would be like some kind of I, I I don't think it's right to say devil worshiper because satanists aren't like cloak wearing occultists right. but occultists would be there like 
killing chickens and then spilling blood and like doing creepy stuff. So like the scariest thing about the story is not the ghosts. They say it's one of the most haunted locations in the country, maybe even the world. The scariest stuff to me was whenever like someone would be like, you want to go there? And I think I've only been there like once or twice. I was more worried about like, dude, there's going to be some psychopath Mm -hmm. here with like a machete who's like a creepy occultist waiting for some young, dumb teenagers. There's a lot of famous stories about it, though, where like some photographer for the local newspaper took a picture. And when they got the the negative, uh, um, when they, they, you know, trans like published the photo or whatever it's called. There was a woman sitting on a tombstone in the photo. In the photo, you, the photo you can look it up. It's a very famous photo. Oh wow, dude! There's there's so much awesome like ghost stuff. But those two stories are are, are in very similar locations too. So yeah, I want to go. Are. Yeah, I love that. Like sometimes, like the the man who has been abducted, you know, when he moved to this town he's in now, he didn't know it was a hot spot for UFOs. Mm. It's kind of like New York's Roswell, you know. Whoa. And it's when when he went there, he he opened the paper and. Here's a clipping that says, like, uh, have you seen a UFO? <laughs> it was for the support group that he would eventually take over. Wow. Um, but I think a lot of those places, whether or not something did happen there, they attract the energy of people who want it to happen. And it's yeah. like a weird, yeah. ghoulish uh, company. Could you, what, could you imagine being an alien and you're like, you know, you've, you, you got your job, your university assigns you to go <laughs> research these 15 psychic humans to understand how they're psychic. You're explaining my life. And then and you're flying in your saucer. And then you look down at your tracking system and you go, hey, hey, Jim, all the little red dots are coming together. What's going on? And they're like, oh, it makes our job easier, I guess. And you're like, yeah, all the little people have gone to the same place. And they're like, perfect. There you go. We'll wow. save gas. Yeah. What do they have, like ley lines? Have you studied ley yes, lines? Yes, that is what this town is all about. Is a ley no. Line. Yeah. yeah. So oh, explain man. those. Uh, well, I don't know too much about them but because uh, I'm just starting writing about this now. But they believe that there's the ley lines go across the earth. You know, like energy hotspots, like Stonehenge is one. This this town happens to be another, and it's where they think uh, extraterrestrials might congregate because of maybe quartz that might have something to do with it. Um, but they believe that if you look at the map of like places where that see a lot of UFOs, they fall on these ley lines. And then you got the Bermuda Triangle, which and then is like almost on the opposite side of the Earth of the Marianas Trench, I think, which is in the oh, Pacific. It's like yeah. the two deepest points, two of the deepest points. So I think what's happening is there's less there's less land between the center of the earth and the sky in those areas that are deep so there's more water which is more conductive to electricity so i think that's why you get these electrical weirdnesses in those areas maybe there was there was a story i was reading um or maybe it was just like some theories about um i believe this is true there's areas where gravity is different on the planet I don't know. Due to the shape of the planet. And it's like mostly unnoticeable by humans, but it's measurable. I could be wrong about this. And then I was reading also that where magnetism is, is stronger or weaker. Mm. And that's obvious because magnetic you know poles are stronger in certain areas. Yeah. So that creates effects that humans don't understand because it's so massive. Yeah. That they make assumptions about everything being the same. And, you know, I, I think a better example would be like altitude. Mm. You know, people don't understand altitude. When if you if you are from a coastal city and then you go to Denver – you're going to be vomiting. Oh yeah, nonstop. Try and dance. Go out yeah. dancing in Denver yeah, if you've never been up there. But so think about how that what, what that means if you're like on the equator, and how gravity might be different, or if you're in, near the poles and magnetism might be different. Technically, you're spinning faster at the equator. It's mm-hmm. moving quicker because you know it's further away from the center. Yep. Um. No, I, I, you're making me think like. Uh, People need to turn their attention more to underwater stuff. Oh yeah, the, the reverse of altitude. That's yeah. where the aliens are. Do you see are. all those temples underwater off Indonesia? Yes. I mean, that flood nailed. And if you look yeah. at Google Maps and you zoom out or any map program, you see like the light blue around mm-hmm. the around a lot of the landmass. That's where those used to be above water before mm-hmm. the flood before 
before the water levels rose. Yeah. I think it was at the last 13,000-year-old flood. And one of Yo. our stories uh, that's coming out soon, I just sorry real quick, uh, on top of a mountain in New York, uh, one of my the sources of the story used to pick seashell, seashells up. You know, huge flood. Yeah, yeah. Gravity, gravity is absolutely. I googled it. Absolutely uneven on Earth, and they say hmm. Mount Nevado, Huascaran in Peru, has the lowest gravitational acceleration at nine point seven six three nine meters per second squared, while the highest is the surface of the Arctic Ocean at nine point eight three three seven meters squared. Navado, no, Nevado was a bit surprising because it's about a thousand kilometers south of the equator. Hmm. So yeah, there are areas where you probably well, won't notice. Right. But I was I was I was reading something about when they would do, when, they, when they were doing experiments on like with like gyroscopes and atoms and things like that noticed serious differences in mm. how the results are based on the different gravity. I wonder if they looked at people's like bone density if it's mm, changed yeah. if it's better in one place with less gravity. I would imagine it's got to be. Right? They told me there was a gravitational constant growing up nine point eight six meters per second nine point eight meters per no. second squared. Well, yeah, they say it's uneven now. Of apparently course, not constant, yeah. I think uh, the Large Hadron Collider has a problem made a problem with gravity on this planet. Did you follow you that story so? back no, in the day? No, I haven't. Uh, I'll probably write about this at one point. But um, there was a lawsuit by some scientists to stop the Large Hadron Collider, the Super Collider. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Switzerland, you know that? Because yeah, they, they believed like, the black holes would uh, fall to the earth and cause a sphere of strangeness. Um, that's what they called it. Um, no one no one argued that there wasn't going to be black hole black holes falling to the center of Earth. They just said they're not going to swallow the Earth hole. Yeah, the, 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 well, the singularities exist for so such a short amount of time right. that they were like, it's, point, it's, it's not going to be a problem. But they were, the lawsuit was like, they're going to amass and, and maybe not swallow Earth, but uh, turn us into the sphere of strangeness. So I what does like that mean? That what is this? The sphere of strangeness, strangeness is like they said it would turn us into like um, almost like str- wavy strings of like cosmic soup. What? And that sometimes I'm like maybe that's that's what happened. <laughs> that's what our digital avatars are. Basically yeah, radio. Waves. We're in the stringy cosmic soup, but we're online looking like nice like this. Uh, when it comes yeah. to ghosts, I I, li- I grew up um, next to a graveyard, and in my backyard there was a fence, and then you could crawl under it in the grave, and then you're in the graveyard. So we would sit, stand on top of our clubhouse and look at the graveyard. I used to lay in the graveyard, hung out there, and I never got any weirdness. If it was the chillest, most I was also. Had no magic power. I was not. I was not. You were vibrating properly. Pure, I was vibrating the whole time, and I didn't yeah. know it. I didn't believe any of this magic crap until right. in my twenties. Would, would it be funny if that out of all of the people who have ever come to the cast castle, the one person who has no psychic abilities is Ian? I think that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> no, the weed. The weed changed everything. <laughs> um, but what, then I started. I'm really into science, and I started to hear about the phantom DNA stuff. And I don't know if you guys have studied this. This no, is a little bit of an overlay of what it is. Basically, they take wild electrons, oh, they put yeah. DNA, the electrons form to the DNA, they remove the DNA, and the electrons stay as if the DNA is still there. So if someone is living on the side of the road and suddenly struck by a car and destroyed, and now they're no longer there, there might still be energy there in that shape. So you're proving my sphere of strangeness. It's evidence. Right it's not now. proof with phantom DNA. And I got, I got some hypotheses for you. Oh, boy. Ghosts. Ghosts. Here's one thought. Uh, what if time is not linear, but more like a fabric that is, in, in a way we can't really grasp or understand, moves around? What if, let me see if I can, uh, I don't want to use that. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just try and use Paper? my fingers. What if you have this line of time, right? And it's like the past and the future. All of a sudden, as you know, we can't perceive it, time is wrapping around and then crosses through it itself really quickly. So you're standing in a building that's been around since the 1700s. And the 1700s quickly pass through the year 2000. So the building stays the exact same because it's just time, not space. And then all of a sudden, for for a blink of an eye, you see a man standing there, semi-transparent, wearing old colonial clothes. And he goes, <gasps> and then you're like, what the, what's that? And you start mm-hmm. telling everybody. 
And then they say, yes, this building's been haunted since it was built. Why? An old man once said that, you know, here's a photo of it. You're like, that's the guy I saw. And they're like, yes, the people who lived here see ghosts too. Why? He saw you wearing strange clothes going. <gasps> I grew up in a really old house. I feel that way. I feel like if I, because I, I, we have an episode coming out about this house. But when I saw the shadow ghost situation, I thought it was that type of situation. Like we were each other's ghosts. You know? Right. He saw me as huh. the ghost. I saw it as the ghost. That might be, you might be onto something because yeah. if this phantom DNA thing is legit, which it seems to be, that might, it might not have anything to do with time. You may just be able to pull this pattern into reality based on your behavior, based on you. Well, so, so what I'm saying is like, whatever it is. if Vibration. in the year 1980 and the year 2000, the building is almost identical because it's been there for, you know, 50 years and so are those 20 years. But the only thing that's different is that at this point, there was two different, there was one person standing at one point and one person standing at another point. And if they passed through each other, the building wouldn't change at all. Everything would look relatively the same. You might see weird shifting in like style or something, but you'd see this person very briefly, like a shadow person or a, a ghost. And you're like a person, they were wearing old clothes and they would be like, yeah, there was a person who used to live here who looked just like that. People would be like, whoa, and but really like, it's I just saw time. an alien. So the aliens are us in the future interacting with our present selves. Yeah. And Not the ghosts aliens, are our ghosts. ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's not that it's not their 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 dead soul or anything. It's like it's just time passing through itself. Mm-hmm. Right. So here, here here's my other um, fun story. I started thinking about this a long time ago. Why is it that old buildings are haunted? If we're not going to operate under the assumption that it's people's spirits trapped in the building, what could it possibly be? And so I was hanging out with my friends. I mentioned playing Knights of the Old Republic, and they're stoned off their asses, and we're talking about time. And I was like. What if there are interdimensional beings? You know, Alex Jones says there are. But let's say there's beings that live in five dimensions. We live in four. We have the, all, all the spatial dimensions and then time, but we can't control time. Let's say there's a being that lives in five dimensions. It, control, it controls all four dimensions, including time. To these creatures, time is perceived like space. If that were the case, then a long amount of time would be a large amount of space to them. So if you look at a building that's from the 17th, built in the 1800s and, you know, was, was there for 150 years, well, that's, a, that's a big, big building. So these interdimensional beings are like, I would like to occupy this massive amount of, of space. I have 150 years to move through. Like all of each, each moment of time would be a different bedroom. Mm. So you have a one bedroom. Yeah. Well, how many seconds exist? Right. And that could be hundreds of thousands of, of spaces for them to occupy. The reason you never see them is because they can see you and they know what you're looking at and when you're looking at any point of time. They just don't interact with you in that specific amount of time. And because they move through time as if it was space, there's never a point at which their history would be static. So you could literally never perceive them. Except at one point, they're like, look, Johnny, I found this really, really large building. It's 150 years big. But around the last 50 years, there's a whole bunch of people moving around and occupying it. So here's what we'll do. Let's go back 20 years, bang some pots and pans, and smash some glass, and then there will be no one there for the next 20 years. Whoa. Yeah. And so they're clearing out the past. That's good. Yeah, I think of fifth dimensional behavior as something that can do everything at once. So, like, I want to go left, and I want to go right, but I have to pick. But a fifth dimensional being goes in every direction at once. Or technically neither. Yes, it has the op- ability to go in every it would, direction. It would be at once. like saying you can go left, right, forward, or backwards, up or down, mm. and they can go bapo and bipo. Man, I think it'd be like and, what? Like time yeah. and space is the same thing, according to Einstein. Space time, he calls it, but it really is the same thing. 
And then how many dimensions are there? You know, mm-hmm. M theory, crazy stuff, what we think we know. I think there's a lot more out there. I think we just keep on thinking we know what's out there and something like I was thinking about frontiers and they like, uh, I was thinking about Puritans in Salem mm-hmm. and like when they came here, uh, they were so afraid of the woods. It was this like wild, evil thing you have to kind of tame. And, um, so that was their frontier and it was populated with like myth and ghosts and demons. And we've kind of taken over woods now and now space is our aliens and like we don't know about it but then we'll conquer that at some point and then it won't be so ghoulish and i was like are the are the ghouls receding back into the shadows because there's more humans now Mm. or or are our minds just our imaginations run wild Well, let me ask you what you think about this i was on my roof uh, meditating i think there was thc involved and i was just feeling my magnetic field around me and meditating and i dropped my magnetic field and gazed out into space and i felt the presence of a wolf man sense me and oh, want yes. to eat me from up there. And I feel like I revealed myself to it. Mm. Maybe it's just like I'm a Puritan in the woods with, with you know, I, whatever we call it, like superstition. Or or maybe I, I sensed I think, uh, I think a, a wolf animal that ate, much. ate mushrooms. <laughs> and I was or, definitely smoking too the, much. But maybe <laughs> the smoking, like the DMT, can open up a portal that makes you a little more sensitive to other dimensions. You know, like the machine elves. I haven't met them, but I believe they're there if you've seen them. It's mm-hmm. all it's all like your reality is unfortunately whatever you make it when it comes to those things. Yeah, we were know? talking about um a short story or or comic about Ian accidentally mixing monatomic gold with DMT yeah. which creates the superstructure which actually allows him to actually transport beyond the veil instead of just seeing it. In 2007, I was doing crazy YouTube videos and I started getting, I was connecting with anyone that wanted to talk to me and people, well, this one guy called me and talked to me for like two hours without stopping about monoatomic gold and DMT and apparently that is the gateway that the ancient Egyptians would use to see, but it's all about the mono, not colloidal gold, you need the monoatomic because that goes through the blood brain barrier Hmm. and together. I was talking to someone Sammy, who you heard up, of the, the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you heard of like mystery schools or mystery colleges? No. I was talking to someone um, about she had wit- she said she had witnessed uh, one mystery school where they open a portal and they bring beasts through it, and she said uh, she saw beasts like other interdimensional oh, beasts bees. or bees. I was like, that sounds Maybe good. I misheard. No, it was like <laughs> she, she said it was like a big dog type thing that they just unleash and there's people unleashing these beasts through the like a stargate is what I envisioned. The did, they have, did they have rings that went over two fingers and they would go like this? <laughs> I should ask. No, I, I, I thought that I saw the uh, Ghostbuster dog that takes out Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that thing? I don't remember that. Was that in the second one? No, the first, first one. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Those things, when the statues Zool? came yeah. to life. Zool's yeah. dogs. Yeah. That yeah, was good. Was, uh, um, so what do you think? It's like wolf, wolves ate, started eating mushrooms on another solar system and then they, they were the ones that gained thumbs and sentience? I think it thumbs. Could be. They're like, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I think what you saw could be real because you saw it. It's like when I, people tell me they see uh, Jesus in a pancake. Mm. If they it. believe in Jesus and they believe they saw Jesus in a pancake, then they saw that. So, yeah. also, so am I. One, one of the stories I have to tell is about uh, this guy I knew who was like a, uh, a just like a, a crust punk drug addict. And, you know, when I met him, he was a devout Christian. Who lived in like and, and worked in a church and did like you know community uh, community stuff and like youth stuff and he was a skater, and he said that one day he was in the woods and he was like partying and he was drinking and doing a bunch of drugs and he went to go take a leak when all of a sudden he felt and heard this powerful voice from within him say, "Why are you doing this? Hmm. You need to stop and fix your life." And he like freaked out and was like, "What's happening to me right now?" And then that's when he turned his life around. 
he found Jesus, he found God, and he became a productive member of society. And um, like he's a he was a good good dude. He was like a nice guy. He was responsible. He was working hard. And I was like, you know, my I, I'm I'm not religious, but I was like, you tell me a story about someone who's on the wrong path, and then they have this this, this moment, and it makes their lives better. It makes them happier. It makes them more responsible. It makes them a positive you know individual. I'm like, that's a good story. Mm-hmm. But also, I thought about it somewhat differently. I was like, have you ever seen the um have you ever seen the, the documentary What the Bleep Do We Know? Yeah. Mm, that's good. I, I, I it's mean, weird. You should, you should see it, though. I think it's got a lot of crackpot stuff in it, but they do some 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 things that I think are helpful for, for people's perspective. He talks about Flatland, a universe of only two dimensions, where people can only move left, right, up, and down. They have no concept, uh, uh, or left, right, front, and back. They have no concept of up or down. We, with up and down, look down on them and can see everything. Mm. So he says, imagine there's a Flatlander living in their home, and you then look down over their home, in, in a dimension which they can't even, they don't even know exists. And then you speak and you say, hello there, little Flatlander. But your voice goes right into the middle of their being. And they hear your voice coming from within them. And they're like, what is this? Are you God? And you're like, no, I'm in a higher dimension. And then you can look in their house and say, in your closet is a coat and a pair of shoes. In your kitchen, I can see. And they're like, you see everything. Mm. You're omniscient. It's like, I just experience a different dimension than you. So when this guy told me that story, I was like, dude, that's just like the story and what the bleep do we know about the two dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was an interdimensional being. Maybe angels and demons right. are interdimensional beings. I think it depends what your proclivities are, right? Like my alien abductee friend, if he was maybe leaning a little more religious, he could interpret that as you know being a, yeah. taken into another realm, like heaven or something, right? But then I think of like the prophets in the Bible, they all were looked at as crazy people. Not all of them. Some of them were like dirty, crazy. They kind of sounded like schizophrenics. Yeah. But they were plugged in to what the word of God was. And also, you know, supposedly the word of God would tear you to shreds. So your yeah. voice coming down to someone, they can interpret right. as that. Like in uh, Dogma. You ever see Dogma? Oh, a long time ago. Alanis yeah. Morissette is yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, and when yeah, she yeah, talked, yeah. Oh, exactly. Explodes. Another exactly. interesting phenomenon of Flatland is if you put a three-dimensional object into the two-dimensional plane of Flatland, they only see like a, a, a circle. They only see like a thin, like Part a, of it. they well, don't see. And so it's like a a, seeing a shadow. Yeah. It's like seeing a cross section when we see well, these, so these light things and stuff. The, the way they explain it's very simple. If you had a balloon and it's, you know, completely round as it enters the two dimensional space, what they'll see is a ring slowly expand like and then an slowly MRI. shrink. Yeah. Like, like exactly, like, exactly like, an like an MRI. Yeah. Yep. So imagine what that would look like in a third dimension. You would see a, an object balloon out and then collapse. Oh, and that's mm. what happens with infrared light. I One time I woke up from a dream and my phone was like at eye level. And I saw the infrared light go into the phone. It was real distorting. And then I felt my brain kind of twist. But it was like it was contracting. It looked like it was contracting. This is uh, really interesting in um, Interstellar. They, they see the black hole uh, or, or like the wormhole. And he's like, it's a sphere. And they're like, what's a hole, you know, in three-dimensional space? It would be a sphere. And mm-hmm. like, that's crazy for us to yeah. even try and think about. Yeah, the perception is what's going to change. Once we get access to other dimensions or going to space, human perception will change in the way people think. Oh, man, totally there's so different. much crazy stuff to talk about in this regard. Like in Star Trek, for instance, the problem I've always, I've always had is and, – and someone super chatted, chatted the saying that, you know, in my ghost time theory, I'm forgetting that the solar system itself is moving, so the house isn't in the same place. And I'm like, no, I, I get that. I get that. But, mm. you know, maybe it's time in a small pocket. Mm. That's a, but anyway – in Star Trek, for instance, if you're on a planet in a different part of the, you know, different solar system where the planets are moving at different speeds, time dilation would mean 
there could be infinitely different speeds occurring between Earth and those planets. Or I shouldn't say infinitely, but like dramatically different. Mm. And so that's something they don't factor in. They say, oh, because of warp speed, time dilation doesn't affect them. Yeah, but a planet that's moving at, you know, X you know, kilometers per second versus Earth at Y kilometers per second will be experiencing time very differently. And time will pass slower or more quickly for one of the other planets. And regarding to what that guy said about the, the solar system moving so the house is in a different area, if firstly the, the phantom DNA thing might just be able – because what I notice about uh, electrons, they seem to be able to spin down and disappear and reappear in another area. They like they'll turn into subatomic particles. So it's like it's not that they're moving, but it's like that the the vibration is is no longer vibrating there. Now it's vibrating here, and I think that it might have to do with with three dimension. It like attaches to the third dimension. It doesn't really matter where it is. Yeah. Let's go to super chats, and uh, we'll take some questions from the audience. Uh, if you haven't already, smash that like button. Thanks for hanging out on this Friday night. And become a member at TimCast.com. And don't forget, in the description below is the YouTube channel for the very new Tales from the Inverted World. It's going to be amazing because there's going to be books. There's going to be the podcast. There's going to be the member hangouts where people talk about these crazy ideas. And so you'll definitely want to subscribe to that and check it out if that's what you're into. Let's read. Harry Toe says... Please have your animation team make a fight between Joe Rogan and Jenk. Pretty please. <laughs> if you guys are listening to the show right now, get in get in the the, the private chat and just let let uh, Kent know, unless Kent you're watching, that um, you know take some audio clips from the Young Turks and from Joe Rogan, and then give me a off the top ropes Chank Uger at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rebel KGF says West Virginia or New Hampshire. What do you guys think? I think West Virginia. West Virginia. Mm. I like the warmer. The more south, the better for like me. I'm not really into the politics. I know it's landlocked, but yeah. I like, but I'll take I'll take West Virginia. But it's a good spot because it's not too hot, not too cold. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire gets cold, yeah. yeah, and way earlier, right? Yeah. Like I I need I like it down here. I'm very happy down here. But I think if people are interested in the Free State Project, obviously New Hampshire. Yeah, that's interesting. Depends Definitely. whether you like snow. Jeremy McDude says to opine on your show segment on secession. We don't need to secede. We just need state governments to do their jobs and take back power from the federal government. I the agree. states know their people more than elites in D.C. Yes, I agree Tenth as well. Tenth Amendment. Yeah, Tenth Amendment says if it's not in the Constitution, then it defer to the state. Exactly. And, but so Always. what they've been doing is they're like, hey, it's not in the Constitution. Let's add it. Right. But what it should be doing is just deferring mm-hmm. to the state. All right. Iceman Heat Boy says, love you guys. You talk a ton about being healthy. If anyone wants a great personal trainer in the Baltimore area or check uh, – Check out some good workouts. Visit Malfit Life on YouTube. Keep up the great work, you guys. Very Rock cool. My resting heart rate's around 55. Dang. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. That's good. Healthy young Apparently, it's oh, like your really watch good. measures it? Yeah. Can yeah, I yeah. wear it for like 20 seconds and it'll measure me? We have one downstairs. You can just go grab it. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one in. Yeah, so like doing the show, my heart rate goes up a little bit because mm. obviously it's like there's some energy, there's some workout here. When I record, this is funny, when I record my normal segments and I talk really fast and I'm all like, it tells me I'm working out. That's yeah, funny. it's like workout awesome. detected. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But uh, when I'm just like, you know, earlier today I was chilling and eating lunch. I'm like averaging around like 55, which is good, I guess, mm. right? That is yeah. good. It's yeah. like good. It That's should be perfect. 40, though, shouldn't it? No. 40 know, is very, very I thought low. it was like 70 yeah. to 111. What's, what's, what's like the best? The best? Okay, so if you're super fit and healthy, we were watching a patient one time and his heart rate kept going into the 40s and we thought he had a complete heart block and it turned out he was a super fit biker dude. <laughs> like all he ever did was ride his bike and I was like, he is just super healthy. Wow. Every wow. pump of his heart is like incredibly powerful and it it's needs like, to do less. Boom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's very cool. 55 is great. You're fit. Yeah, wow. I was, I was like, I was stoked on that. It's yeah. been, it's been, you know, sitting down. I've been skating almost every day now. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you notice go. if you eat, does it Eating speed up? better too. Yes. 
Oh, so eating better is way better, right? If I eat bad, I'll f- I can feel you it. Can feel it, definitely. Yeah. If you drink, you smoking can really too. feel it. Yeah. So I'm smoking anything, really. Yep. Yeah, it's that carbon. Yep. All right, let's see. What we got. All right, Takumsa says Yuri Bezmenov said, "Quote: Have you ever heard advertising to tell you to consume less? Not to be a horseshoe theorist, but consumerism can lead to big government as well. Hmm. That's a good one." They go hand in hand. They never tell you to go to eat less. Although I did see a commercial today on Fox News for a company that's like, we used to be known as a tobacco company. Now we're a tobacco harm reduction company. Uh-huh. Oh. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene in Iron Man when um, Jim Cramer's like, uh, Stark says they're not going to make weapons anymore. That's a weapons company that doesn't make weapons. <laughs> and then he smashes the, the mug or whatever. That's funny. Yeah. Justin Bell says, I work for one of the largest grocery distributors on the East Coast. We are 300 understaffed, five to six day weeks for over a year. So burnt out. Oh, oh my gosh. And wow. people are quitting. Yep. Because they're like, yo, I can't do this. That's a vicious Or they're cycle. getting fired. Yeah. Yes. All right. Shedrick Staley says, first time Super Chet and Army veteran. Do you believe that anyone except veterans that have seen war will have the courage to stand up and pull the trigger when tyrants come to the streets? Um, I think Antifa would go nuts. Mm. I think they'd be doing all sorts of insane violence. And I actually think veterans and people on the right would be the more tempered ones, less willing to use violence. Yeah. They have the training. Because, like, standing up and pulling the trigger is not disciplined. Not necessarily disciplined. You, if you want discipline, yeah, I think the military, ex-military is going to know how to stay cool under fire, know when to use it, when mm-hmm. not to use it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Frankie Two Fingers says Tim and Ian casually mentioning that Star Wars blaster bolts move slower than regular bullets, and then moving on like it's nothing. Really did a number on me the other day. <laughs> Perception it's is everything. It's true though. Now we know. Yeah, I think what what is the what, has anyone ever measured the speed of a blaster bolt? No, we got to do it though. It's probably like five hundred feet per second. Like it's fast, but you can see it. You right. know what I mean? True. Yeah. Not that fast. Yeah. James Garlic says, speaking of gold, fun fact, all of the gold in our solar system are remnants from the iron core of the supernova predecessor to our star and solar system. Also, this is why we have an asteroid belt and the, and the Kuiper belt. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, I think that the sun at some point experienced what's called a Z pinch, which is where there's like a high, high velocity or, or something of, of energy buildup. And then there's a static discharge and then it just spewed 28 planetoids out and, bleh, and wow. then they all start ramming into each other. And, and Jupiter and Saturn have like, they have more heat. They're giving off more heat than they're taking in from the sun. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're like the leftover star pieces or something. Huh. It's good. I really no fascinating. Idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Dakota Dad says Dr. Robert Lanza wrote three books on something he calls biocentrism, which states the universe and reality exists because of human consciousness, not the other way around. Quantum physics for evidence. I've heard a lot of that. And um, that'd be really, really interesting because think of this. If the universe was actually uh, dependent upon human observation, consciousness and perception, that would mean that powerful elites who knew that and knew it was true could manipulate perception and control the universe. It kind of veers into simulation theory because they talk about observer effect and mm-hmm. how, you know, the, the, the computer to build a simulation would have to be universe-sized to yeah. make the observer effect happen. So, yeah. You could, like, there's that as above, so below metaphor where, and I've seen a theory that we're inside of a black hole. Our universe that we know yeah. of is inside of a black hole. So, like, the energy you're feeding in is maybe coming in to the system, but then mm. I'm thinking it's not necessarily three dimensional, so it more be 
might be more like it's appearing around us. Hmm. Like the vacuum is feeding it to us, what we think it is or something. Hmm. All right. Matthew Fumi says, rural Oklahoma in the East Central Electric Coop has fiber internet, 100 megabits or one gigabit up or down. Expand out here as land is near 3K an acre at the moment. 3K an acre. I think that's that's actually way more expensive than West Virginia. That sounds high. Am I crazy? Yeah, yeah. in like central West Virginia, you can get 100 high. acres for 100K. Yeah, it's like yeah. dirt. But I guess the point is they have they have gigabit. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There are some. There, New Hampshire, surprisingly, I didn't realize they'd have, um, you know, uh, uh, cheap land. But really? Do they have fiber? All right. Let's see. Cable dude says YouTube keeps ending your stream and sending me to Fox News. <laughs> Those jerks. Rude. YouTube. Why we're talking about fun family stuff here, huh? Yeah, we're just chilling. <laughs> it's just Friday. Jay Liebgott says, what is D60? I see on Cast Castle people that are cast members of D60 but can't find any info on it. What is that? Do you I know what that is? No idea. No, no, no huh. idea. Anyway. Weird. Maybe, maybe those are jokes because like when they title someone, they give them joke names or something. It's hmm. a Nikon camera. Are we using D60s? Hmm. No, heard no, we're not. Hmm. Steven Heinold says, Tim, me and my wife decided to quit, uh, it says quick smoking, but I think it's quick, quit smoking and make a deal. We only smoke after adult relations. I feel great and have never felt better, but my wife is up to three packs a day. Oof. Should I be worried? Plus, Ian, get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> no, maybe someday. Here you go. Ready to Rumble says, fun fact, if you invested $100 in gold 10 years ago, you'd have $95 today. What? <laughs> and if you invested $100 in Bitcoin uh, mm. 10 years ago, you would have um, $5 million? Yeah, I put a few five, hundred into Doge, like my towards my last semester of teaching, and I got more from Dogecoin than I did from teaching. As, as wow, <laughs> <laughs> that year incredible. from a semester. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, yeah. dude, here's one. Amazing. Christopher <laughs> Thomas, fellow Chicagoan. Last time my sister went there, Bachelors Grove, she saw dudes dressed in robes and native headdresses. They started approaching the car, and her and her friend, uh, and she and her friend took off. Wow. What? Yeah, dude. Never underestimate a group of people that are all taking psychedelics. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Frick says, how about a story about the Inez statue in Chicago's Graceland Cemetery? Oh, I don't, I, don't I think I vaguely yeah. remember yeah. hearing yeah. about that, but I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. Good stuff out of Chicago. It's going on a list. Mm-hmm. You're going to send me there for a month. Yeah. <laughs> Ramon, I mean, dude, Chicago's loaded with crazy stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, I think there, there was like, I could be wrong about this, but they like tore down a cemetery for like expanding an airport or something. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. This is a lot. Yeah. Ramon Galvez says, Tim, look up on YouTube. Jesus stops alien abductions. This topic is known by many alien experts, but they avoid talking about it. Hello from Aurora. Hey, Aurora. Skyland area. You ever hear anything like that? No. I like it though. Yeah. Like what if people are like aliens are pulling and then like literally Jesus like, you know, stops them and then saves them. Is that a movie we're going to write? I, I could imagine that a strong belief in something might blockade you from perceiving that kind of stuff. Because I was very um, skeptical when I was a kid, and I never experienced any of it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm more open to it, mm-hmm. and, I, and now I am experiencing it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yeah. interesting when the Pope came out and said he believed in aliens. That's interesting. That was an interesting wow. conversation. Remember that? It was a few yeah. years, four years ago. So here, the plan is there's going to be this show, Tales from the Inverted World, which is true stories. Shane's a bit of a skeptic, but it's going to be like, that's, that's what makes it great is because, you know, you'll come out and say it if it's not true. Yeah. And so you'll often be left with these real mysteries, but then it would be really fun. We talked about doing a full fictional show. that's kind of like X-Files about an investigative reporter investigating these stories. And we like fictionalize them and bring them to life. 
But that's down the line. Yeah. That's yeah. when we have like a $10 but, million dollar budget. But like you say, yeah. time and space are the same thing. So it's yeah. ultimately about if we have the budget and the people that are ready to go, we could start it. I'm technically doing it right now in the future. This is like your that's real right. life. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a cool show. It'd be like X Files. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely. Super fun. Reach out for some DMT. Yes. Sergeant Buck says, "Tim, time isn't made out of lines; made out of circles. This is why clocks are round." Oh, is that so? Well, it, it is interesting. In order to track the passage of time, we go around because it just keeps going, right? And so the way we think about time is we actually view it as cyclical, even though we act we we actually feel time is linear mm-hmm. but we map time in a cyclical way isn't that, isn't yeah. that crazy mm-hmm. seasons everything is yeah. repeating itself yeah. yeah and then why should we assume that time it's the, itself would not repeat itself yeah like in that Futurama episode where the presser makes a, ta- a time machine that can only go forward and they keep going too far in the future and they're like maybe if we go far enough in the future we'll discover a, a you know a point in time where humans have found back t- backwards time travel and then they do but bender gets mad and sends them to the future then they witness the heat death, of the heat death of the universe, but then all of a sudden the universe explodes again. And then he was like, time is cyclical. Uh, and it's funny. And, Great show. Yeah. <laughs> it was so such a show. good show. <laughs> Final Six Warning says, I've either seen ghosts on 14 separate occasions between the ages of 4 to 31, or I've had 14 very brief hyper-vivid visu- hallucinations. I'd love to know which. Mm. I mean, we've we had ghost stories in my house growing up. Yeah. Like, you know, someone would go downstairs and the water would be running. Mm. Just like the faucet downstairs would just turn on. Yep. Stuff like that. I Yeah. I grew up in a really old house. It was built in the 1700s. And remember like old Magnavox TVs? If they were like left on the input channel, they would hum really, yeah. really low. That would, that would happen all the time, but the TV wasn't on. And I always thought that was some type of ghostly apparition. I'd get these things where I'd hear dripping water and it'd be like drip, drip, dip, 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 dip. And then all of a sudden it would start to be like dip, 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 dip. Whoa. The music of the spheres. What the? <laughs> That's wild. What do you think that like kid in Toy Story would think when like every time he came to his room, the toys were moved? Like, we, we, can we get like a uh, yeah, right? You know, there's there's so much there's so much content that's right for parody in that regard. <laughs> so we should do, we should do a short where the kid like is playing with his toys, then he puts them down, he leaves, and he comes back and they're moved, and he's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you're doing ten seconds long. That's hilarious. Yeah, he just screams. <laughs> yeah, like they're moved. That's it. That's all. <laughs> his mother takes him and throws him in the garbage because like the kids freaking out won't Burn touch him, him anymore. Yeah. yeah. All right, Michael R says, "Hey Tim and crew, not sure if you've seen THX." Eleven thirty thirty eight. It's a George Lucas film, and I definitely think you're missing this from your dystopian mashup that we seem to be headed towards. Mm. I think Very that's the movie he made in college, like for his his uh, oh, graduate cool. thing. He had Harrison Ford in it, I think. Really, or I think that he worked with Harrison on that. Chris Quiet says, "Long hair hippie has taken too many drugs. Huh. I can't stand hippies, but Ian is a good guy, so I have no animosity to him. But I want to detox him. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a little, um, a little behind the scenes knowledge. I actually haven't taken that many drugs. I've, I've took, I smoked a lot of weed for like 15 years, but I've only taken LSD like 10 times in small doses." Uh, mushrooms six times in small doses. That's I smoked salvia That's four times, three times. Is I it true that it's conspiracy to overthrow the government if you've taken acid more than seven times? Or is that an urban legend? I think. Wait, well, have you heard, heard that? that before? No, that was a rumor going around when we were taking acid. What's the rumor? That it's like considered conspiracy to overthrow the government if, if you you've take taken acid, acid more than a certain amount of times. Wow. And I've conspired of those. <laughs> oh, of those, I've only microdosed. I've microdosed like half those, so it wasn't really like full doses. Yeah, but that's about it. And, yeah. and other than that, it's just caffeine. You know, I don't know. So you admit to being a criminal. Tim, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> All right. Let's see. 
Chris Blank Production says, Hey, Tim, if y'all are going to be having guests on your Paranormal Podcast, you should look into Huckleberry or Jeff from the show Mountain Monsters. They're Who? based in West Virginia, and whether or not the show's legit, it'd be fun. Oh, definitely. Like, one of, one, of, one of the best things about being out in West Virginia is, like, all the cryptids are here, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Perfect. Mothman. We'll get the Mothman, dude. yeah. You're in the right yeah. place, Shane. Yep. You ever see the Mothman prophecies? I have. You know, I feel like I have, but it might have been when I was conspiring. Dude, you'll love it. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. There's, like, I'm going to spoil a little bit, but there's a scene where he, like, it's a phone call, mm-hmm. and then he, like, opens the Bible. He's, like, in a hotel. And then he like points to a line, and the voice on the phone reads the line to him, and he's like, "What oh, is crazy?" Yeah. Oh, What's the uh, research it. facility off the coast of I think near Lyme, Connecticut, where it's like a chi- they're, apparently they're building chimeras out there, or that's the hypotheses. Plum Island. Been, I've Plum, you mean the, you mean the, Plum you mean the conspiracy theory? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> did I did I suffix I prefix that, that with conspiracy? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like you want to default to say conspiracy theory, but then Alex Jones is like Google it, and you do, and you're like, well, he was right. Right. There's th- there's ideas when, that they developed Lyme disease there as like yeah. a bio. Is that true though? No, or it's a theory. It's theoretical. Right, right. The theory. I, I think it was funny when Jones went on uh, Crowder. He's like, I got this for you. And he pulls a folder with all of the articles yes. already researched because he, he knows. Oh, so <laughs> and then they do it right. They put it in front of the camera for two seconds. And if you want to read it, you just pause it. And then they give you the data. That's great. Or you just awesome. Google it and read the actual article. But it's funny that Alex is like, we're going to bring a folder with everything I'm saying because I'm telling you the truth That's and you don't so want to believe smart. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy that these stories that he talks about fall through the cracks for us. Yeah. Like when you mentioned cloned beef. Like, yo, I've been reading the news nonstop for years, and I never heard that we were eating cloned beef until he said it. And I looked it up, and I'm like, he's, he's right. Wow. Yeah. Cloned meat. Yeah, I know it's like a weird creepy exception that maybe we're hearing everything because we heard everything that it's we just, heard. It's too much happening at once. Yeah. And a certain narrative took over. So, like, that narrative would have taken over maybe 20 years ago. Like, yeah. If they put a baby's scalp on a mouse, right? Yes. Oh, man. That Here we go. Happening. Summer is 19 says, Hey Tim, I went to Argo High School and Bachelors Grove and Resurrection Mary. All true. Love y'all. What? What? Uh, the, 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 uh, Al Capone stuff. It's just like, look, I'm a kid and people are like, that's where Al Capone dumped the bodies. And I'm like, I never actually looked into it. Yeah. But I um, love lakes. Like we have a lake by me that's like that called Hessian Lake. And the rumor is no one knows how deep it is. And the firemen supposedly lowered the, the chain all the way down and, and nothing. They barely. I think you should go to Chicago. I'm down. Totally yeah. down. Because there's, there's a ton of other stories, too. There's just there's just. A Yo, lot. The, um, at the end of the last Ice Age, 13,000 years ago, apparently. Have you ever been to the, the snake mounds in Ohio? There's mm-hmm. a serpent mound. It's an ancient native burial ground. But apparently, the glaciers came all the way up. To, they had built this serpent. The glaciers came all the way up to the serpent latitudinally. And then they just the glaciers stopped, stopped going. They thought that this serpent had protected them. Whoa. Maybe it had. Whoa. Love yeah, it. Now it's like a protected uh, I don't know if it's a natural, a national park or something. The Nazca lines are cool too. Dude, how did they build them? Obviously that, right? they were flying if they could build those. They must have had hot, hot air balloons. The, the Nazca lines are gigantic drawings. Are so oh that yeah, you yeah, can yeah. only yeah. see from above. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So they must have hot, I mean, I think hot air, cause the Vimana is this ancient flying machine, hot air balloon city that the, the king would fly around on or something. Right. I think that like the angels and demons were on hang gliders. What personally. if humans actually came from Venus and a runaway greenhouse effect destroyed Venusian civilization? And so they built a giant escape exodus vehicle run by the military and they called it the Ark Project where they loaded the genetic materials of two of all the animals they could muster and then transported after the greenhouse caused ice caps to melt and there was a great flood that wiped out the planet and then they came to Earth and terraformed it and oh man. I used to think that was like fully, fully weird. But now, 
I, it, it might have been Life on Venus. They didn't have it. Doesn't have a moon though, right? Did it ever have a moon? I don't know. Like for title, I was just know, one day watching some National Geographic thing or something, and they were like, Venus has a runaway greenhouse effect, and I was like, Whoa! And then I just mm-hmm. made everything else up. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a cool story That's though. Possible. Yeah, like the there's sun. a civilization runaway greenhouse effect causes the water levels to rise, a great flood. So the the planet's dying. There's acid rain. There's ecological ecological collapse. So the military of a powerful government creates a gigantic project to take as many people as possible to the neighboring planet, which could sustain life. The sun's expanding. So mm. it used to be Venus was in the Goldilocks zone, and then the sun got too big, and they're like, "We need to escape. It's going to cook the planet." And so they and take the genetic materials for the males and the females of as many species as possible, and then they come to Earth in the giant ark spaceship and then the people come down made by and Tesla then, mm-hmm. and then what happens is you know they don't have enough technology to maintain the vessel for long enough so they evacuate to earth and then the first generation retains as much knowledge as possible we are smart we know a lot you know how to make fire you can probably figure out some really basic and rudimentary things and you know certain things are possible but you don't know how to make them you know radio waves are possible do you know how to get the metal to make electricity in a radio wave? <laughs> Not off the top so what of happens is after the first generation, the kids have never seen it before. And they're just told these stories of magic. And then by the third and fourth generation, the first generation of survivors from the Ark Project are long gone. And all they have is a book telling them the basic rules of how to survive. Hmm. Don't eat pork. <laughs> Sounds dirty. Right. Yeah. Dirty animals, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. eat it. Shellfish? Yeah. You get sick. Yeah. I do eat those. Yep. <laughs> all right. Let's see. I like oysters. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm like drinking that oyster thing. I'm pescatarian, but I don't like saying it because it sounds like you worship fish. Pesky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. do you? <laughs> I guess I do. Josh, <laughs> oh my, Josh, oh my gosh, says Tim. I got, I, I got an error message. It says arrow four hundred four. Freedom not found. We just need to reboot America. State separate and rejoin. Okay. I'm cool. In. Jack Attack says, I think the most terrifying thing about humans is that they have the ability to conquer the fourth dimension if given time. Given that we survive our own great filter, which I do believe social media has the potential potentiality of being. Yeah, that a video can be online forever at any time. You can watch any point in history. That's time travel. Yeah. You know, like I can see concerts from before I was born. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's nice. Technically not there, but but experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. But you you uh, figuratively are there. Yeah. I can hear the audience. Yeah. You know, I just can't smell it. Yeah. Danimal Bungie says, I'm a retail pharmacist, which means most people come to me to receive vaccines and vaccine advice. I wish I could talk to you about the tearful conversations I've had with people who don't want the vaccine, but their job requires it or be fired. Wow. What would you do? What if I was like, get vaccinated, you're fired? I would leave. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not being told what to do. You know, if I were still teaching, they would... uh, they would have made me get it. I pulled up this story called Jacobson versus Massachusetts, 1905. Guy didn't want to get the uh, smallpox vaccine due to religious things, and the government put it to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court was like, no, nah, sometimes you don't have – it's a very interesting court case. But in this circumstance, the mandates are like if you want to work, right? But what was what was that circumstance where they, it was like was he, was he going into a field of children or something? It was his religious freedom. He just no, said, but like what – did oh, they hold him down and vaccinate him? I didn't, didn't get that far. I don't know how they did it to him. How oh, they did it to him. I have a lot of friends who say, like, when I say I don't want it, they they take it as an anti, you know, I'm anti that. But I'm, I'm pro them doing whatever they want. I just don't want to be yeah. told what to do. Yeah. Right. Matthew Vance says, Ian, I'll sell you a Fitbit, but I'm only accepting Opals as payment at the moment. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> that works out perfectly, actually, because I just got a bunch. <laughs> Hit me up it's going to be really funny when, like, 
in a year, <laughs> opals are worth like a hundred times Dude. their value, and like the fiat, like opal becomes global currency. <laughs> yeah, fiat. there's two opals in particular that are bl- mind blowing from the images that I They're saw. So beautiful. super excited. That's amazing. Opals are awesome. Yeah. GC Geek Army says Woody dies in tor- Toy Story. Then the other toys have to watch in horror as the boy plays with the corpse in the sequel. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> That's horrible. That's a horror story right there. Jeez. Flopping. <laughs> and they're just like. <laughs> That's dark stuff. Oof. Is that we what really? God is doing? Is playing with the corpses of people, and that's ah. what we think are like zombies and skeletons and all that? Maybe. I think I don't think they're real, by the way. That's but. interesting. <laughs> oh, here we go. Is God playing with our bodies right now? Yeah, maybe. PRC E five says at the beginning you mentioned fireballs in the sky. Last night I was at a truck stop in Savannah, Georgia, and saw an orange fireball flying horizontally for about ten seconds before disappearing, long enough to get a picture. Meteor. Breaking up in the atmosphere? I typically think so. Yeah. I think there's Still a cool, lot that happen that go unreported. Just people see them. I, I was walking to take the trash out in two weeks of time. I saw three at oh, night. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you get... So a Forrest Cooper is here from Recoil Magazine, and he brought night vision. Wow. Mm. Oh and gosh. you put those on and look up, and you'll see shooting stars nonstop. Magic. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'll wish for this. I'll wish for that. <laughs> I'll take money and, and, and Opals. fame and status. Uh, yes. Opals. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, no, opals. All I saw was like... I wish I could somehow get access to someone else's opals. <laughs> and as soon as I did it, Ian walked out and was like, hey, I just bought a bunch of opals. And I was like, yes, come here. Trade yeah. me your blood. <laughs> oh, you're going to love the opals. I think I want to buy more right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the, age, the Age of Stupid says, I am a su- civilian engineer for the U.S. Navy. I just handed in my resignation letter because of the mm. dictator-in-chief's mandate, moving family to North Carolina. Woo-hoo. It's always New Hampshire. Yep. I heard people are are not getting unemployment if they lose their job for. Well, not in New it. York, it was uh, medical workers. Okay. Who refuse will not get unemployment. Oh my god. That's so good. It's torture, That's dude. That's wicked. So they're basically saying you quit. There, there was this viral video where a nurse shows up for work and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And she goes, "Nobody fired me." Hmm. And they're like, "You have to leave." And she goes, "I'm not quitting." And nobody fired me. Are you firing me? And they were like, "Leave." And they're like, "Tell me you're firing me, and I'll go." It's because if they do, they say, oh, I was fired. Right. But no, they're making it like you are choosing to quit. Mm. One of the nurses in our delivery room when my wife gave birth to our daughter told us that earlier that summer during COVID, her hospital knew she had it and they had her work still through COVID. Like, Whoa. I wonder what she's doing now. Miss mm. Mal 92 says, Tim, the premise you explained is already a movie. Quote, Cam. Really? There's a movie called Cam? Hmm. Look it up. I'd love to watch it. I love that idea. Sweet. We definitely want to check it out. Chris Quiet says, Vamatima, I would love to hang out with Ian for a day. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it. We'll do an auction on the site where it's like hang out with Ian for one day. Yeah. The highest better. Let's do it. I will never look at how much money that made, by the way. I don't <laughs> well, I'll just, we'll just give it to you. Let's just chill. We should, we'll do a live event. We could talk about drugs or something. That'd be fun, yeah. Uh, I oh, mean, like chemicals. Chemicals is what yeah, I meant to say. Yeah. Well, we definitely are going to do live events for Tales from the Inverted World. Yeah. Yeah. Like live readings with yeah. performance sound Carter effects and stuff. Carter making some music. Alex doing yes. some audio. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll have so my cool. skull I was mask. visualizing it last night, like thinking about being on stage, talking to a bunch of people. And like, it doesn't have to be a stage. We just hang out and talk about it. Why don't we do stuff. it for Halloween? Yeah, I'm there. Let's do it. 100. 100%. got to start working with, uh, with Carter to yeah. sort it out. Carter yeah. is our uh, in-house producer. Oh, yeah. A genius, by the way. Yeah, really amazing stuff. Carter, you rock. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out on this spooky, weird, and wild show on Friday. <laughs> In the description below is the link to Tales from the Inverted World YouTube, where you can just search for it, subscribe, 
more episodes to come. We're aiming for like one a week, but we'll see how it how it plays out. It's just it's going to come as it, as, it, as it goes, and then we're going to have the hangout sessions at timcast.com where you can watch an episode, you can listen to an episode, not watch, and there's cool sound effects and the stories being told by Shane, and then perhaps people have more questions. Perhaps there's parts of the story they want to dive in in, in depth on and, and Google some stuff, mm. and so that'll be like a longer form conversation, which is more like this, but weird and wild, and that'll be at timcast.com. So sign up there. Don't forget to check out youtube.com slash castcastle, the other show we started doing because we are ramping up like crazy. The Green Room is next, and then there's a cooking show, and then there's a board game and Dungeons and Dragons show. We're working on a whole bunch of stuff. And we want to do sitcoms and skits, too, because it's about building culture so that your values comes out in non-political ways. So don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, smash the like button. You can follow me at TimCast. You can follow the show at TimCastIRL. Would you like to shout anything out, Shane? Uh, yeah, I'll do a few things. Uh, I'm a co-host of Ready Slow with uh, Sean Strong. It's a podcast once a week. You can catch us talking a lot of smack. Um, my second book is about to come out. What's a good day. Going? Yeah, it's called A Good Day for Vultures. It's coming out on my own press, uh, Vulture House Press, and of course, Tales from the Inverted World. Um, it's going to be the best. And, and tips. If you guys have tips or stories, I've been getting some and I'm tracking them down. I read all the things so you can send them to Shane at TimCast.com. I'll yeah. read them because I'll go. Good stuff. If, if, if he checks out. Shane Cashman yeah. might get abducted. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone, someone emailed us about Confederate gold and I was like, bro. And we're going. Cool. Yeah. Later, I think we'll do that this month, actually. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming, everyone. This is, again, like I said, uh, fluorite. This is no. calcium fluoride in a crystallized form. Uh, I'm Ian Crossland. See you next time. I'm very disappointed. That is not a very large opal, Ian. Hopefully we have one on the table when we're in the studio next time. That would be awesome. Thank you guys for joining us for the first night of spooky season. I enjoy October, and I'm really looking forward to all the fun stuff we might get up to with this new show. I am Sarah Petulitz. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Petulitz. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Don't forget to check out the Cast Castle on YouTube and Tales from the Inverted World. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.